What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 3, Episode 10. This week we're talking about Lower Decks Season Finale, Season Finale of the first season, No Small Parts, which sounds like something on an IMDb database page. Anywho, um, my name is Tim Mitra, I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined as usual by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there! We're also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Mr. and Mrs. Seattle. How's it going? Alrighty. <laughs> how's, your, how's your face? Uh, well, I can speak now, so that's a plus. Yeah. I can consume solid food, again, a plus. What'd you have done? Uh, I had to have a gum graft last week, so I couldn't talk. I sounded like uh, Elmer Fudd for a couple of days there. Sylvester the Cat was more accurate. Sylvester the Cat? Yeah, like suffer and suck a dash. But uh, will you scream in the middle of the podcast for no reason? I I do not expect so. It's been uh, it was last Tuesday. I was kind of hoping that I'd be able to be a little more uh, eloquent by the time we were ready to record last week, but alas, did not work out that way. So yeah, I had to had to bail unfortunately, which is too bad because I really did have a great time listening to you two clowns talk about <laughs> screw everything up. Oh my <laughs> dear God. There's one part where you're like, I bet you Jonathan is yelling at his phone. I'm like, you're bigger yep. ass than me on my phone. <laughs> yeah, too bad. There's only 40 people in the world that would appreciate the humor of that statement. We, um, Hi, guys. <laughs> we do take advantage of the shaking their fists at the podcast sort of thing on uh, on the other show. So there's no reason why we couldn't take advantage when we're when we're down a person on this one well normally what we do is you know like well it, it, usually it's Jaime and myself that would pick the content for the other show and and we have one of our our ex-hosts is still on our slack channel so he he and he you know we call him out all the time but he um he regularly comes in and and you know on the slack and kind of goes well as a matter of fact in fact i think he did some this week or last week too right so yeah it's lots of fun well no you guys uh, considering that you hadn't really had a chance to go through all the crapola that i put in there you managed to to get 
through it. We hadn't. Well. I. I mean, Jaime had. I think Jaime was a bit prepared for some of it, but I had no clue. I was like totally cold. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> there was one part where you're like, "All right, let's click this and see what it says." The charmed. The yeah. next generation yeah. thing was like the hardest thing for me to, exactly. to wing it through. Well, Jaime, you get uh, all the sub references in the world from tonight's episode. Boy, yeah, oh boy. holy cow! Talk about talk about the right episode to be uh, to be riffing on, eh? Yeah, it was uh, it was challenging. Um, so I said, "All right, well, at least the benefit is I don't have to do the season premiere of Discovery, which will probably also be oh. kind of challenging." So. Yeah, I think that's me next week. So. Is it? Yep. Yeah, because oh, I did that. Right yeah, because you did last week when I was off, and Jaime's doing tonight, so I'm next week. Yeah, so I get yeah. to just not take any notes and just mentally <laughs> note anything that I thought was of interest to add color commentary instead of the play-by-play. Honestly, though, like, and you know, we could talk about this more in the pod, but it feels like Lower Decks is actually more we challenging. Because uh, with Lower Decks, there's so much, so much, uh, you know, reference to existing canon, right? Discovery does that a little bit, but this... I mean, there was like what easily a dozen references tonight yes. easter Let's eggs comments episodes yeah exactly so yeah it's it's challenging to be the recapper let's do a podcast uh where are we here where's my notes to the notes to the notes batman all right uh okay so let's get going with some fact check here um i mentioned uh the guy from the alien movie with the chest exploding and he's been in like a thousand movies and i couldn't remember his name of course his name is john hurt rest in peace um, he played the War Doctor in in the in the Day of the Doctor, I believe, and a couple of he's actually played a, the the War Doctor in a couple of episodes. But he was Kane in Alien, in which you know, um, in which he had the monster coming out of him. But we were talking about the movie 1984, in which case he played Winton Smith, who is the main character in the book 1984. He also played John Merrick in the Elephant Man, which I I often forget. I don't know why. I know that David Bowie played um, played the Elephant Man on stage, but I, I always forget that um, John Hurt played John Merrick and. Uh, he was supposed to play Don Quixote in Gary, uh, Terry Gilliam's latest film. Um, it's the most, I don't know if it's a secret to people here, but I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan. But um, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote came out last year after like many, many failed attempts to create that movie. Um, it was played by, um, I think, uh, Terry Gilliam's second choice, which is uh, Jonathan, what's his name again? Price, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, so he was supposed to play, but this is the, the sad tragedy of it. Is he was supposed to play Don Quixote, um, but unfortunately he became ill and he he left us just uh i think last year Mm -hmm. um after after some illness uh, we were talking last week about Markham, and Jaime was trying to ask me if, and I didn't catch the reference, but uh, he was asking me whether Markham is part of the six. I was talking about the mega city and went on some big tangent about the, how Toronto got amalgamated and all that kind of stuff. But technically, uh, Markham is not part of the six because the area code in Markham is 905, which is all the surrounding boroughs around Toronto. Most Toronto's mostly 416, which is where, if correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, that's where the six comes from. Yes. Right, so it's the four ones. Jonathan is not in the six right now. He's in he's in Mississauga, which is also in the nine hundred five exchange. So yeah, yep. And uh, do you, do you know the talk- six? Are you gonna are you gonna list the six? What the actual six are? Oh, when have at you? <laughs> well, so so yeah. I mean, you guys were talking about how it was. Toronto used to be made up of obviously first it was villages that became into cities, and then those cities amalgamated uh, into one giant mega city. Um, so Toronto merged with East York, North York, North York, uh, Scarborough, and uh, Etobicoke. So we have six boroughs that basically joined Did together. Six boroughs, really? 
Well, six. Toronto. Five? There's five, right? Well, it's Toronto, Toronto proper. Toronto North proper, York, East York, York Scarborough, Scarborough, and those fives. And Etobicoke. Five. Is Scarborough, is Scarborough 416? Yeah. Oh, okay. So all of those used to be their own cities for the purposes of saving money on all of the infrastructure and all the services and everything else. They amalgamated about 30 years ago. And uh, so these five areas... 30 years ago, really? Yeah, it was about 30 years ago. Um, And they became, for a while, they were calling it the mega city, which sounded really, really fancy. But but, yeah, basically all of those were within the 416. uh, That's the GTA, though, the Greater Toronto Area? No, Greater Toronto Area includes Mississauga. Oakville, Burlington, and all those cities around. Markham is part of the GTA because GTA is a is a rough term. It's not a proper term. It's a loose term. It basically means everything in the Toronto sphere. By the way, Jonathan knows this because he was a journalist on the Toronto Star for a while. Yeah, I may or may, or may not have uh, helped run the largest newspaper in the country for a little while there, so I had to kind of have this at my fingertips. Just, just the front page, nothing important. Nothing important. Yeah, well, front page, the whole damn paper. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty big deal when they did this. And some people uh, like it more and some people like it less. But the six part of it came from, uh, even though there's five boroughs that became the megacity, it's the six because of 416, which is the main exchange for Toronto. And uh, yeah, and the rest of us are 905. And now there's what, 647? There's there Because we this is the most dense part of the entire country. There's like six different exchanges in there's this region two now. something or other. Yeah, yeah, 289 yeah. or something. And yeah, so it, it, it's kind of a weird... Oh, almost like a weird sub-reference now because yeah there's there's so many different exchanges in the city yeah i wonder is is um drake actually from the six yeah rosedale rosedale oh rosedale oh okay right he's from the money not too shabby of a neighborhood if you must know uh no not not bad as toronto neighborhoods go Right, right. Okay. Um, and so I was mentioning something about, I was talking about something, some sort of motion some, or a movie camera control thing that the last week from when I was talking about the New Hope and I just sort of gave it away, but it's actually it was motion controlled camera is the term I was looking for. Also known as VistaVision, apparently. Uh, actually, no, the VistaVision was another thing they used in A New Hope, and that is shooting a 35mm film on its side, like sort of in landscape mode, if you think about it that way, because most 35mm uh, films are filmed are filmed with the, 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 the film goes, picture frame is perpendicular to the travel of the film. In this case here, they turn the film on its side to get more... Uh, pixels, if you will, if you want, that's probably the loosest term, but more film grain to basically get a larger, better picture. And something that IMAX, if you if you don't know, IMAX is seventy millimeter, but it's also filmed on the on the lens or per, parallel to the travel of the film, so it's you get a much bigger picture that way too. Which is why, on film anyway, IMAX is a much higher resolution or higher higher uh, film grain picture, right? Um, but I think I think now IMAX is digital, right? So. But yeah, but that's the, or is it, is it really digital? I wonder, because they still have those big honking cameras, right? Nobody knows. You guys have gone quiet. Yeah, I really have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like we know anybody whose father was involved in the IMAX, do we, Jonathan? Anyway. Apparently there is, sorry, hang on. I'm going to do real, real time fact check. I just double checked this. It is six. York and East York are separate. North York, York, East York. And so, yeah, it is six. There you go. So it is. York was the original Toronto, right? That's the original name of Toronto before it became Toronto. Yeah. So East York, Metobico, North York, Scarborough, Toronto, and York, York itself. Yeah, there's actually a street very close to me, um, Jaime, called Parliament, which is where the par- Houses of Parliament actually started. 
yep, back in the day. Anywho, we were also talking about the the uh, Star Trek Two, I called it, but it was actually called Star Trek Phase Two, and that's where the Zon reference came from. Um, and I've got a link here to the show notes. But there's, I mean, you know, if you if you followed Star Trek throughout that whole period, there was, you know, costumes were designed and actors were hired and stories were written. And I think I think. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, the motion picture, the original motion picture, was one of the stories that was supposed to be in in the Star Trek Phase Two. Um, but yeah, so there was there was they were trying to get a, another Star Trek going there between, you know, was it sixty nine, sixty eight, sixty nine when it was canceled to when uh, seventy seven when the motion picture came out. Mm-hmm. So that was called Star Trek Phase Two. Just never saw the light of day. And that's it for the fact check. So I guess we'll move on to the headlines. And Jaime is up first. Yeah, so um, you will no longer need Disney Plus as a subscription to watch Mulan, but moving to all digital retailers. So in the ever-evolving sort of ecosphere, ecosystem of how do we even do first release movies? What does digital mean? What do subscriptions mean? Um, now across, uh, what is it? I know I saw like iTunes and others. I have an easy list somewhere in here. I'm sure wherever <laughs> your favorite... Uh, your favorite places are oh there you go to amazon fandango now voodoo and other digital retailers like pretty sure i saw uh, wait so so if you have but if you have disney plus you can watch it for free starting next week too right no that is december uh, i think december 4th i want to say yeah i think you're right for the for the free you you can buy it on the other digital services is what you're saying yes it it was exclusive to disney plus except you had to have the subscription and then you could like semi purchase it it's a weird purchase because it's only as long as you have the the service um but it it was sort of like a a a nice way for them to experiment with okay we've got this first run movie that in a non-pandemic world would normally be in theaters how do we not lose too much of that slice of money before moving it on to other places like they would traditionally do you know, DVDs, Blu-ray, and then, you know, buy it on iTunes, buy it on Google Play, that sort of thing. Um, looks like this is following along that path. But, all right, cool. If you don't want Disney Plus, but you still want to uh, to order uh, your own copy, your own digital copy of Mulan, now you can start or uh, on October 6th, which as if this recording has already passed, so now you can definitely start um, start doing that on Amazon, Fandango, Voodoo, and I think, I think iTunes is one of the other ones that was yeah, I think it's on iTunes. I think I saw an ad for it on iTunes earlier. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you did, I did too. I am going to uh, jam-pack three news items into one just for the uh, expedience sake. So everything is canceled at the movie theaters. Um, and we'll, we'll refine that a little bit. Uh, Wait, does that mean I can't go watch any movies at all now? Is it? Well, no. I mean, I guess it depends. So uh, one of the larger theater chains in England and the United States has closed down. Uh, indefinitely. Part of the reason for that is the fact that James Bond uh, No Time to Die has been delayed now until the beginning of April 2021. That was expected to be one of the sort of saving graces for movie theaters this autumn. Uh, But unfortunately, with it moving, that was one of the real blows to, uh, to the movie industry and actually having stuff in the theaters this fall. And then following that, there was just a series of dominoes. So I've got, uh, they moved, they were going to move Jurassic World was supposed to, Jurassic World 3 was supposed to come out next year. That's been bumped to 2022. Dune was supposed to be out this December. It is now shifting to 2021. And then Jaime, you've got some notes uh, that, that continue off this as well. Yeah. So with the Batman being delayed until 2022, there's some sadness there, but now some goodness in that it's essentially swapping places with the Matrix 4, which is 
coming in 2021 instead of being in 2022. So, so in theory, we're getting uh, not a lot going forward this year. Still on the slate, I can't think of anything that's of substance because they've already moved Wonder Woman. Batman was already for, set for next year. Jurassic World was set for next year. Dune was supposed to come out this year. Bond was supposed to come out this year. Those are those are gone. So there's really not a lot of must go to the theater movies. Black Widow's moved. I, I think we're safe to not... I mean, Tenet really was the only thing that they sort of floated out there as a trial balloon and I think it's safe to say that didn't go well. So I think you're safe to stay out of the movie theaters until 2021, which is probably for the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a bummer. You know, I think all three of us love going to the movies and miss that in, in experience, but I just don't... I, I can't see how it's a good idea to go and beyond that now there really doesn't seem like a lot of reason to go right hmm is there really a reason to go see jurassic world 3 in the theater anyway uh you know i think that one falls <laughs> into the same category that jaime ta- and i talk about with you know uh a pacific rim right you know you know dinosaurs knocking things over uh you know they were gonna bring back i must say that one sounds interesting and at least that they're bringing back uh, Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and uh, yeah so it's like they're reuniting the original Jurassic Park cast and so maybe maybe I haven't seen any of the Jurassic World series in the theater I've, I've seen them all uh, on Blu-ray or on uh, on demand and they're good I, you know they're quite yeah I saw the enjoyable. second one in the, in the theater when I was in down east yeah yeah like there's, there's nothing wrong with them. I don't think they're they blow it up good yeah exactly right like for you know two hours of distraction on a on a hot day when you want to be inside or a cold day when you want to be inside it's absolutely lovely yeah for sure all right uh, next up this one's interesting so this is the first of a couple pieces of news that we've gotten about the next Spider-Man movie so so there's been a couple of weird rumors going around that, uh, and this one is from The Hollywood Reporter, Jamie Foxx is reportedly going to return in Spider-Man 3, the as yet untitled uh, sequel to the uh, Far From Home and uh, Homecoming. I'm going to go with Spider-Man 2025. Yeah. Um, yeah, by then the young <laughs> Spider-Man won't be such a young man. Uh, so he's going to return as Electro. Now, he was Electro in Amazing Spider-Man. Man 2, which was a completely different Spider-Man. It was Andrew Garfield's version of Spider-Man. And uh, that movie was not well regarded to the point that they rebooted Spider-Man yet again after that for the third time. So that's kind of a weird thing. And then there was a little bit of news this week, and I haven't put it in here, but there was a little bit of news this week that apparently there are discussions to bring Garfield and Tobey Maguire back. Oh, well, yeah. And maybe doing their own version of sort of Into the Spider-Verse right, yeah, in the yeah. next movie, where that's why we're going to see this Electro is the idea that uh, our youngest version, our newest version of, of Peter Parker is going to cross paths with some of the other Spider-Men and women in this sort of giant team-up thing, including those two versions of Spider-Man, so that they'll sort of establish that they are sort of part of the canon, but they're in their own universes as their own different Spider-Men. Interesting. I I, I must say I'm on board, because they really are... It sounds like they're going to push with the new Doctor Strange movie, the WandaVision stuff. They're going to push the idea of a multiverse with Marvel's uh, cinematic universe, the idea that there are universes where, you know, parallel things happen, things are not quite the same, but they're similar um that was explored obviously in the uh the outstanding um spider-man into the spider-verse animated picture a couple years ago it could be really cool i don't know what do you guys what do you guys make of this uh this possibility 
It's interesting that they're sort of doing this the way they've done the Batman movies, where they have a different Batman every couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, just because of different producers and directors and whatever. But the idea of bringing them together is very similar to the kind of Doctor Who kind of stuff that they've been doing for years, where, you know, the, like I mentioned, the one movie where they, they had uh, five Doctors, although one was on tape and refused to show up in the set. Mm-hmm. But he was in the Day of the Doctor, so go figure. Um so it, it's interesting to sort of have this sort of parallel, you know, kind of world. I mean, you know, in the Doctor Who thing, it's the same. It's supposed to be the same guy who regenerates, guy or sorry, man or woman who gen- regenerates over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of doing that now with the current Doctor Who because we have two Doctors yep. in the same universe, right? And uh, so it's an interesting sort of take on things. I mean, you know, now that now that the whole concept of multi multi universes is something that they're actually thinking is a real thing even though it's kind of a stretch in real life but um yeah it, it's it's an interesting take i mean I, I you know to be honest with you i, I liked toby mcguire spider-man I've, I've watched a few of andrew garfield's um spider-mans but even even the the love interests um uh who was uh, garfield's oh um, emma stone as gwen stacy yeah. emma stone yeah i'm a big emma stone fan i like her a she's lot. great yeah she's terrific yeah and uh, it was gwyneth Paltrow. no not gwyneth Paltrow. um what's her name again the the one from the vampire movie. Uh, who was the first one? Kristen. Kristen. Yeah, her. Kirsten. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. Yeah, Kirsten yeah. Dunst. Kirsten yeah. Dunst. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I. That was one of the things I did when I was a younger reporter. Uh, I actually went to the Spider-Man Three uh, press event in L.A. and got to interview all of the actors, directors, everybody wow. involved. That was a lot of fun. Um, but Kirsten Dunst did not make a great impression. Uh, she, really, she, it was like ten o'clock in the morning, and well, maybe she maybe, was t- maybe she was tired, but she was really not uh, very engaged right right hmm. Unfortunately. the funny part of this is they're also talking about the potentially this similar kind of event happening in the upcoming flash movie with the different versions of batman because they've already confirmed that michael keaton is going to make an appearance as an older version really? of batman hmm. from that sort of 1989 tim burton universe and uh ben affleck has been confirmed that he's coming back so there's word that they're going to try and loop in christian bale and do the similar concept of these are all batmen from different parallel universes so it'll be Hmm. it'll be the dueling retro superhero vibe i mean it's interesting nostalgically i mean obviously i you know i have a soft spot for those tim burton 1989 1992 uh batman movies you know uh val kilmer i'm not sure they could get him into a bat suit at this point but um (laughs) i think it would be interesting to see if they can you know you know do something interesting with the characters I, i don't want just them bringing characters back for the kitsch of it but if it makes sense and it tells an interesting story i think it'd be great maybe he'll do like a mickey rourke kind of interpretation of batman (laughs) (laughs) yeah that'd be something (laughs) all right oh this is me i thought this was Jaime. no what do you know you're next all right so yeah so we were talking about uh in the last episode of uh zvon so last episode of of lower decks they had uh they 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 dropped the name zvon and and uh two two episodes two episodes i should say and Jaime and I looked that, or Jaime looked that up, and found that it was actually from the the failed uh, structure phase two. But uh, so so there's an interesting podcast here, sort of a video podcast called Comic Book, something or other, um, and they had um, Michael McMahon and, and Tony Newsom talking about. Uh, 
they talked about the the uh, this Vaughn reference, and actually it's quite an interesting little interview if you watch it. There's a couple of little sort of uh, reveals about what's going on, you know, with uh, with these guys. But yeah, that's a, that's yeah. way deep cut stuff. Yeah, and as a as, as a mini spoiler for uh, tonight's episode of of Lower Decks, uh, as we talked about that, like Zon was like you know canon now uh, based on what Lower Decks done. The Spock helmet is a pan. Yeah. I didn't notice this on first watch. I, I watched on, on yeah. social media as people had screenshots. The Spock yeah. helmet, the yeah. I don't know, like sixties toy that was a cheap cash in <laughs> of like we we have this space helmet thing with this weird uh, like siren police siren light sort of thing on it, and boy almighty, this Star Trek thing is popular let's just spray paint or put stickers i'm not clear which on the helmet that says spock literally spock (laughs) (laughs) official star trek helmet space fun helmet from that old toy is is canon because it shows up in the background apparently of uh of lower decks so there yeah it's it's one of the things that that uh again spoilers for later on it's one of the things that uh mariner's been hiding in the contraband oh really okay cool yeah 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 well i also want to go back and watch and i noticed when uh there's a scene where uh, um, uh, Captain Freeman puts something on her shelf, and she's got a whole slew of oh, kits, uh, yeah. collectibles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know we've seen some of those in previous episodes where I think when uh, when the guest captain came on board and she was you know um, Mariner's old buddy, they were going through the stuff that was there. Yeah, so that's cool. Anyway, so back to Jonathan. Well, speaking of Star Trek, we got some interesting news this week that uh, at New York Comic Con's Star Trek panel, Kate Mulgrew revealed that she's going to be reprising her her role as uh, Catherine Janeway, which is really neat. So she's going to be doing the voice of Janeway in the new animated series that's coming, Star Trek Prodigy. And Prodigy is the one, if you guys will remember, that's the one they're going to do for Nickelodeon. So it's sort of kid-friendly Star Trek, as opposed to... To lower decks which may or may not be kid friendly considering how many times they drop f-bombs in that show mm-hmm. so um yeah she said uh you know i can't wait to endow her with nuance that i never did before in star trek prodigy so interesting to to finally this will be the first time we've seen her since she was admiral janeway in uh first contact right yes is it first com- contact or nemesis i can't remember Jaime, do you remember no you know what it, it, it is nemesis yeah, yeah it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah beginning yeah. of nemesis yeah 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 all right i think we're uh, we're at the uh, Jaime Lopez show, so off you go, Jaime. So uh, one thing we've got here are some publicity stills from Netflix showing us um, what uh, Henry Cavill looked like as Geralt in season two, the the delayed season two due to due to COVID, of course. Um, and he looks uh, he looks Witcher than before, so it's looking pretty solid there. Was he the Witcher uh, in the first one? <laughs> it was a very lame joke of how Witcher sounds like, you know, <laughs> you know, better as an example. Uh, but nevertheless, it, beyond the folks who were on the uh, the previous season. Apparently, going to have some new actors joining the cast, including I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Christopher Hivu, who played Tormund yep. Giants Bane on Game of Thrones. Yep. Mm. So that'll be cool to see that actor again. So my question was 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 um, Henry Cavill? Is he the Witcher character? He he is uh, Geralt of of Rivia, which is like his name, but he happens to be a Witcher. Oh, he's not the Witcher. He's like, a Witcher. Okay. Well, I mean, he he is the titular Witcher in the show. Well, because I, yes. I I I watched like ten minutes of 
but went no <laughs> he lost me at the he, i think he's like sword fighting in a forest somewhere and i went yeah okay I, i've seen this show before <laughs> it's very uh, unorthodox without giving spoilers it's a very unorthodox setup for a season and it really kind of uh, doesn't tie together until you get through the whole season you're like oh okay now i see exactly what happened and you connect all the dots oh it's a flashback um, okay right. i, I suspect it, it may be one of those shows that's good if they continue with it to watch it all in one lump at when they get done four seasons or five seasons hmm. okay. yeah yeah i have very similar feelings about um i want to say it's dark the the german yes yeah one that we tried getting into season two and said wait a minute we completely forgot everything it's highly complicated let's just wait till the whole series is done and try binging through it in some dedicated time frame to yeah yeah to make sense of it and then yep. you have a show like Fargo, where the every season is a new set of characters, or so it seems. It's the same city, right, or same yep. town, but yep. the every like every like it's a, like a it's an ensemble cast, but every ensemble is connected to the previous ensemble, but not in chronological order. Yeah, they, and they have actors playing their own relatives and all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very, interesting. Interesting very strange stuff. way of approaching it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I just I just realized it. I didn't realize. I don't know when it started but I just I just catching up on it now um, so I've, I don't know how many shows I've missed but I just started watching it uh, again this weekend so you know, this one's with Chris Rock yep right. what's happening in the Game of Thrones there John yeah Game of Thrones so it's been a little while since we've had some Game of Thrones news and this one's kind of interesting so we know that HBO is working on a prequel to Game of Thrones and they're going to focus on the era of uh, they're going to focus on the Targaryen family um, Daenerys's family history and it's going to be called House of the Dragon, and it's set 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones. So the big news this week is that they have cast the lead. And so it is an actor uh, who you'd recognize if you see him. His name is Paddy Constantine. And Constantine, and he is uh, he was on The Outsider for HBO. He's been in just... Uh, he was in World's End, uh, the the um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost movie. He was in Hot Fuzz. He's, he's just one of those faces as you recognize immediately. So he's going to be playing uh, the king, uh, king, which king is he going to be? King Viserys Targaryen. And uh, yeah, that's apparently the big lead part. So uh, yeah, they're actually making progress on the show. And I guess that's what they can do when they they can't actually do any filming, but it sounds like they can get their ducks in a row and get this stuff going. So yeah, I think it'll be uh, interesting to see what this guy does. I only know him as a bit more of a comedic actor, having seen him in those like uh, Frost and Peg movies. So I don't know what uh, what kind of bona fides he has as a as a serious actor on a Game of Thrones type of thing, but I'm in. Cool. Uh, the next one is the weirdest thing I've seen in quite a while. So what happens if you combine the Pixar film Cars with the Batman universe? Well, of course, you get the new HBO Max series, Batwheels. <laughs> HBO Max has announced a new children's animated series about the Batmobile and the other Batman vehicles called Batwheels. The show, which is aimed at viewers in the preschool demographic, will feature Batman's trusty Batmobile, Bam, and other vehicles like Jet the Batwing. Buff the Bat Truck, and they are going to be uh, joined by BB the Batgirl Cycle and Red the Redbird uh, Robin's Motorcycle, and they're going to be about the adventures they have driving around Gotham City. I I just can't even. I don't even know what 
to do with this. <laughs> Save me, guys. I don't know what I don't know what to do with this. It's right. it's an odd pairing in in getting back to the Kirsten Dunst comment. It does kind of feel like something that hear me out, guys. I have an idea on how we could use this license. We're only allowed to use the vehicles, right? Okay, I got an idea. <laughs> They're like, okay, so we've tried Batman, we've tried Catwoman, we've got all through the rogues gallery. What if we start doing the vehicles? Ugh. Yeah. Anyways, that's coming. Yeah. So I I vaguely remember a no, it must be like a Hot Wheels toy or something from like the eighties that was like a Joker mobile. So oh, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah, my yeah, head yeah. went yeah. to. Of yeah. like, will they have like a mystery machine repainted style Joker mobile on this show? <laughs> well, there's there's got to be villain cars if there's hero cars, right? Like it's it's inevitable. So I'm looking yeah, I'm yeah. looking at some Hot Wheels that I have here on my above my computer. I've got a Back to the Future DeLorean. I've got a Dark Knight Batmobile. I've got a Darth Vader car, which I don't know. I have Kit. I have the Justice League Batmobile. I have a 70 Charger RT. And I know there's at least two more um, Batmobiles that I could get. The the, the Arc, the Archon, what's the um, prison thing called? Uh, the oh, Arkham. 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 Is it yeah. Go- Arkham Gothic Batmobile as well? But, I mean, so it's not like that these kind of companies haven't sort of done these licensee things before. Well, actually, the one from, um, oh yeah, Justice League, right? Um, yep. So it's not like they haven't done these sort of things. I mean, like I remember having a Batmobile when I was like six and there was a boat you could get and, you know, um, there's been a multitude of Batmobiles over the years and, 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 you know, of course the whole deal with the, the, um, cars deal is that, you know, as, as you know, your sons were quite young and we used to buy them every single cars, oh, thing that would cars come toys. Out, right? yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying, wow, that really feels like a stretched premise, but these guys, I mean, it's sounds like a money factory to me you know there's going to be licensing up the wazoo and you know it, it yeah. makes sense it makes my, sense. my friend has um his daughter is really into some some british show i think uh that is what like their vehicles of some sort like cars what the heck are they they're they're scooters or motorcycles or something mm-hmm. i think is the the premise so it's it's not unheard of to to uh to to have those sorts of things and certainly there's history with like thomas the tank engine that predates uh you know the cars series but it does seem like a very strange amalgamation here and, and yeah i am going to be pre-offended assuming that the voice actor for jet the batwing is almost certainly going to be black and i think that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> and if I i'm love, wrong then i'll recant my statement i love the concept of pre-offended uh, pre-offended jaime that's excellent i'm, I'm, I'm pre-ordering my offense here <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it all right and uh, we'll end our news on a bit of a down note but uh worth worth mentioning so terry goodkind a very very well regarded fantasy author uh has passed away he died last week uh, no actually died a few weeks ago we just found out this last week um he, he was 72 years old he wrote a bunch of things that have been turned into things but mostly he was known as just a fantasy novelist uh for the fantasy fans uh he wrote um very famously the sort of truth series that was very very popular started that back in the 90s and uh he wrote for decades he wrote 17 books um i think in that run um he wrote legend of the seeker which was turned into a tv show that ran about 10 years 
years ago for a couple of years. And um, yeah, just like one of the just biggest names of modern fantasy. And so uh, sad to hear he's gone. He was a bit of a controversial figure. He was apparently um, not 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 beloved necessarily by everybody, but um, apparently uh, very talented and very prodigious writer. So sad to hear about his passing. Well, here we are, kids. This is the part of the show where we start talking about, in this case, the season finale of Lower Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, I can't believe it's it's been 10 episodes already. Um, and this uh, episode is called No Small Parts. So Hyman Lopez Jr. is going to do the honor of going through the show, and Jonathan and I will be sniggering in the background. So <laughs> you go. Yeah, this was uh, a slightly longer episode. It was like almost 30 minutes instead of the normal 22. So it's a jam-packed finale. So let's see what we can do here. So we start off with the USS Cerritos uh, around Beta 3, which is apparently, uh, I think, from the animated series where uh, Kirk and company figured nope, out... from the that, original uh, series. Nope. Yeah. Was it the original series? Oh, so yep. they took... They, they created uh, an animated still in that style, huh? Okay, yep. kudos to them. So apparently from uh, the original series, this is where uh, Kirk and company had figured out that this whole society was being run by a computer named Landru, and uh, it was all good when they left. And here they are a generation or two, or many several later it's like oh the people are following the stupid computer again right and this is you know this is the problem are you with landrew (laughs) yeah that was it's like the original purge right it was the it was the purge 1964 i think so yeah yeah exactly yeah they they go uh so the episode was called the return of the archons and um so basically what happens is that kirk and his crew are looking for the uss archon uh on beta three and they encounter this sort of western style you know like old westy kind of community and they're all sort of brainwashed by uh by landrew and they don't know sort of what landrew is so that the episode is about figuring out what it is and uh and yeah part of the the thing is basically there's this like i think they call it the red knight or something like that where basically it's the purge yeah, uh yeah. where you know if you're out on the streets you're fair game and it's sort of this like you know culling thing that landrew thinks is a lot of fun for making its human puppets dance and stuff so yeah we weird episode really i mean it seemed like it was one of those like how can we save money this episode oh what we'll do is we'll put them we'll use the old west set next door on the lot and uh and we'll come up with some plot line that has them interacting with old west characters for some reason yeah it depends <laughs> on what season it was from because i think the third season the budget was really cut back right yeah i think this was season two i want to say right right it's either one or two i know it wasn't season three it was either one or two mm-hmm. all right i mean sorry we we died di- which is where the Comment from from um, uh, what's uh, Gary O'Connell's character called? Jack Ransom. Jack Ransom. Yes, this is where his comment comes from. Yes. Yeah, this is where in universe TOS, which is out here outside of that universe, is the original series. But TOS is uh, canon now, in that uh, Ransom is talking to Captain Freeman about you know it's so weird going back to those TOS era planets. He's like, what? What's TOS? Like you know those old scientists. <laughs> a, um, that was a great poll. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a neat one, and it, it it pulls into the the sort of theme here of like does does Starfleet's uh, and the Federation's approach to to interference in in other um, you know cultures like does it does it really make sense? And and when they do first contact, they don't really do a like so how's it going later on sort of thing to make sure everything's going on. Well, and the and moral of that story later. was like proved out in in Star Trek Two, right? Star Trek 2, they like basically were like, well, we'll leave 
Khan and the settlers here on the planet, and we'll assume it all worked out. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, we'll about them, yeah. SETI Alpha 6 explodes, and SETI Alpha 5 ends up becoming a wasteland full of brain parasites, and they all go crazy, and people die, and everything else. This is the exact same scenario, right? They were like, oh, it probably all worked out for them. But, and it destroyed yeah, the computer yeah. that was running society, and then hoped that they'd be fine. You know, we'll leave them some replicators, and yeah, that could have been warp the, away and, and cue the, the music, right? <laughs> well, it, and again, <laughs> that could have been solved with a can of Coke. I can fix any computer problem problem with a can of coke exactly yeah uh so we discover that like the cerritos is was ready to leave it was like wait a minute we're missing crew what's going on here and it turns out that mariner and boimler are still on the on the planet and uh mariner's like what's she doing she like selling some of her her no contraband? she's giving it away it seems is like she's, she away? says like robin hooding it right she's giving oh, away right. art supplies that's right that's right and uh and boimler is like getting into the uh the not following orders act and i was like hey that's pretty good you you won't be stuck in middle management like commander ransom so <laughs> burn there and uh, uh as it turns out the uh the command crew have been listening into the conversation as presumably they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on with our ensigns that are down there uh and and in that conversation that's being overheard um boimler spills the secret of mariner's relationship to captain freeman and and an admiral and to everyone as it turns out uh <laughs> captain freeman runs over to the, the console like you know boops some buttons and beams the two of them up just as boimler's making a kissy face and asking you know does she give you captain kisses as he's uh, teasing Mariner. <laughs> um, you know, nothing good there for, for your career, I'm sure, when you do that sort of thing. And we, we end up cutting over to the USS Solvang, which is around the Kala uh, system. So this is the crew that we had seen before. Uh, they've got a new ship called the, the Solvang that is replacing the Rubidoux that was destroyed by that weird uh, encounter at Farpoint style uh, alien. Um, and it gets instantly attacked. It's just, um, you know, uh, just getting wrecked. And, and everything's gone wrong and and you're left with a did, did they blow up or was that like a dramatic sort of uh thing that happened to them and and we don't know and we'll find out later in the episode uh and and we cut over to uh to Incentendi, uh who is is very jazzed about being the orientation liaison for a new recruit that's joining the crew very similar to the beginning of the season where Boimler was her orientation liaison uh, welcoming her as a new recruit onto the ship um and meanwhile Rutherford is like seen adjusting his implants attitude selector that he has it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like you know the input modes you might have on your TV and he's got optimistic mode and sexy mode many other modes like uh, Klingon and British as a mode. If I may interject, Jaime, I took Mm -hmm. the time to pause every single part of the episode that it mentioned the modes and wrote them all down. Can I run through them? They're very funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm very curious on this list. So we have extremely optimistic mode, sexy mode, Klingon mode, British mode, passive aggressive mode, holiday spirit mode, cowboy mode, sassy mode, drunk mode, weird mode, sleep mode, bro mode, and hot take mode. Yeah, so what happens is he's trying to adjust something and he knocks a panel off his the side of his head and that's when he discovers this button. Yeah. And starts flipping away on it. Yeah. Right. I right, wish we'd right. seen more of these modes. 
I would have liked to have heard bro mode Rutherford. It, it's it's definitely a, a pretty good bit, even self-contained, but it ends up becoming uh, interesting and important later on in the episode. Yeah. Uh, so our, our new recruit is an exocomp, which we have not seen nor heard from from since the TNG era, yeah. when, when Data was the one who had to stand up for the rights of uh, the robotic peoples that uh, Starfleet wasn't aware were uh, a sentient uh, species of, of like little, I don't know how to describe them, never seen them and haven't watched the show they're like little floating drones they're fire hydrants with feet (laughs) Uh, and and it's kind of cute that um it's clearly in the science division because it is painted it's not even wearing clothes it's like (laughs) painted Painted with a uniform and has an equally uh equally bouncy feminine voice like tendy too right right uh so we end up seeing uh freeman uh, captain freeman that is talking to uh and samaria like in her um ready room like look like what why did we even keep this a secret like this is this is falling apart on us um oh this is autocorrect that messed up here ransom comes in yeah, random yeah <laughs> it does that a lot to me it, it, it angers me when i'm using my phone trying to take notes so <laughs> yeah commander random comes in and then like instantly starts kissing butt with mariner and uh ends up tripping all over himself in front of the captain which uh you know, by the way he's only hard on her when she makes him hard and like what what's going <laughs> yeah. on what are you saying and just, it, this will continue on uh as other people in the crew now that everybody knows the the secret you have this one guy that mariner went on a date with you know some time ago and he's like a weird wolf 359 truther that's, that's wolf 359 <laughs> where the borg attack was an inside job <laughs> the the changelings aren't real and, and the dominion war never happened sort of yeah. thing <laughs> yeah that throwaway line was fantastic changelings aren't real the dominion war didn't really happen yeah and <laughs> everyone wants to schmooze with mariner right so you even got you know uh people who she just kind of casually runs into just throwing themselves like hey do you what do you think of this thing can you show the captain here's this idea i have and along this uh, this hallway path we have uh uh dr tana talking about and how she not only wants shacks uh security officer but apparently she has coital hooks that she'd like to <laughs> dig into him it's like very very weirded out by that one um <laughs> But the uh, the Cerritos gets the uh, partial distress signal from the USS Solvang, and and the Titan is in range. But no, we're gonna take it so that they don't get all the glory, right? Well, and they kind of want to stick it to uh, the captain. I can't remember their mission name, Captain Dayton, right? They want because she they had to save them last time, and she kind of wants to go and pull their fat out of the fire again because she thinks it'll be funny. Yeah, yeah, because keep the, from the previous episode where that crew had showed up, they had mentioned how they oh like they they keep running into trouble and we keep having to save their butts or yeah. thing. yeah yeah uh, a little bit more serious this time but but very interesting so even boimler gets in on the act of trying to kiss butt to uh to mariner because he's like hey like i think i can you know get promoted to the uss sacramento um and and to which mariner's like hey wait a minute if i get that promotion and move to the uss sacramento then no one will know me and she tries cleaning up her act and say sir yes sir and then and, and you know, rolls down her sleeves even too. unrolls yeah. her, her sleeves arm down sleeves. hair up yes sir yeah yeah <laughs> you, and, te- uh, you technically then... outrank me sir <laughs> uh so then we've got tendy giving the tour to the as uh unnamed to us exocomp and tendy's like so do you have like a alphanumeric name like t and i didn't write it down the t130101 or something they say like, well i didn't want to seem weird but i've, I've calculated a, a mathematically perfect name peanut hamper <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good one. Uh, and 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 we see as as Tendi's trying to help her along in in the in sick bay that like you know our area that like Tendi wants a, a clean easy ramp up for this new person joined the crew right the peanut hamper but like it's kind of sad because peanut hamper really can't pick up tubes another easy thing because like her physical robot body just isn't built for that but as it turns out when they're in in sick bay and and working with Doctor Taano like okay if we get this suture even slightly wrong it is instant death for his patient but that was no problem at all for peanut hamper because she is super good at doing some accurate suturing and like oh i can teach the doctor how to do this things oh yeah show me what's going on so she's kind of you know outshining dendy a little bit on that on that first day just uh you know it's, it's kind of rough but i like the uh the, the line like uh tendy very quickly sort of turns to like oh no this is great this she's like my great success since she's she's done so she sort of turns from like what seems like she's going to be sad to like really happy for her and says meld that flesh girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she ends up finding the the positive, the silver lining in the darkest cloud sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, um, and and so we end up with the the Cerritos uh, warping right into the debris field of what remains of the Solvang, um, and and they are again similar to Solvang, just instantly attacked with all the pew 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 hitting them, and and this ship, mysterious ship that um, had had attached itself to the Solvang is now attached itself to the Cerritos, and the, the crew's like, all right, we're gonna warp out, and Freeman's like, no, 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 don't do that because if that's what we would do that's probably what the Solvang would try to do as well and that's probably what what did them in right so, so don't do that the Cerritos has its warp nacelle torn off and and everything is just looking bad and Mariner and Boimler you know get to the bridge things are a mess um the uh, the mysterious alien that are attacking come on to uh the comms channel and like oh we thought the Enterprise was strong <laughs> it's like oh this is the Cerritos and it turns out it is the Packlids. Yeah. yeah. The Packlids are not only back from the TNG era, they yeah. are whooping butts. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to say it was Boimler who says they're they're known for, for faking distress calls so they can steal stuff from yep. people who, who show up and the, the Cerritos is being dissected uh, by their, their mega ship that is comprised of like 30, I think he said, like 30, yeah, 30 different, different species. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's here where uh, Captain Freeman is. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. There's another. <laughs> There's another unfortunate autocorrect that uh, is not naked. It is baked in the "I need a dangerous half-baked idea" that breaks Starfleet codes and just ticks me off. Uh, and she just sets Mariner loose of like, "You need to, this is what you're good at. Go solve the problem." And uh, they end up determining. All right, here's one thing we do. We're gonna need uh, a virus to. Uh, you know, we, we found this vulnerability. We can implant a virus into their system because their their computing tech isn't all that that secure. So um, Rutherford is like, all right, cool. We, we can get Badgie to code up a virus for me. And he goes and Badgie's like, hey, can I teach you a lesson? And <laughs> he's like, Badgie, I need you to to create this virus. He's like, yeah, no, I, I can't do that unless you turn off the safe. He's like, uh, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're gonna have to do that. And I forget why he said this, but he says in the really creepy, I'm always monitoring comms. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's talking about, uh, oh, you you knew exactly what he said already. I already have a, three viruses ready. And he says, well, oh, you have three viruses ready already. Were you monitoring comms? He says, I'm always monitoring comms. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so the the aforementioned Packlids have uh, beamed in uh, and and are boarding the ship, and uh, the, the world's slowest beam in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, 
in this case, Mariner has has pulled out the the contraband that we have mentioned a couple times by now, and it's a whole mess of of cool stuff like her her Klingon backlist and the the aforementioned Spock helmet and stuff. And yeah. he was like, "How much contraband have you hidden on my ship?" Yeah, and it's clearly bottles of blood wine, and and she said later on they say drugs. Like, there's all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, there's also a great line in there from Ransom, which was one of my favorite Ransom lines this season. Is I've all set my fist to stun and my kicks to kill. <laughs> yeah, he did that on the the fighting planet, right? When yeah, they were yeah. Captured. Yeah, yeah. Double hand uh, punch. <laughs> I wrote, I would miss you. Was this was this Tendy talking to Rutherford when it's discovered? Like, all right, um, he's gonna have to go. No, that's prior to that. I don't know what I would miss you is. Sorry, sometimes I take poor notes. In the in the fray, uh, Captain Freeman is injured, and it's a real serious moment of, of you know what's going on there. Um, the the crew realizes that the Exocomp peanut hamper uh, could upload the virus. They're just perfectly almost made for the job, and she's like, nope, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> I'm gonna pass. <laughs> it's like when you all like i don't know your guts turning inside out or something like whatever she says, gonna... she says i joined starfleet to piss off my dad not to be a virus bomb and then yeah, she says like... sucks to be organic enjoy having your guts fly out or whatever <laughs> she beams herself out <laughs> to abandon the ship oh my god that part was so funny yeah uh we we do learn that there uh it was hypothetically a heroic bravery mode for um for rutherford but i think mm-hmm. that was not on the list because uh tendy even though rutherford has, has turned himself back into normal mode on his implant is like all right well i'm, I'm the one who can do it like I've, I've got the perfect thing here i can just you know load it into my implant and that'll be the way that we carry the virus over and he's like no 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 don't do it like don't sacrifice you must be in heroic bravery mode just like keep hitting the button until you get to normal because like you're, you're talking nonsense here but um you know shacks delivers he just picks up baby bear <laughs> takes him with them <laughs> they get on a shuttle head on over there and the the virus upload is is going on while while Shax is defending uh rutherford from the the packlets on the ship and it's best day of his life because he's been dying to get into some major action right oh yeah he's been wanting to fight he's, he's as he's crashing the shuttle into the uh, packlet ship he says this is the best day of my life <laughs> And the virus upload is going really well, but then starts to slow. And Rutherford's like, what's going on? What's going slow? And Badgie's like, you know, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm still angry because I had my neck snapped. <laughs> yeah. And, and Badgie's like, all right, we're going to let this this uh, this virus upload occur, but only in a way that it's going to blow up the ship. <laughs> and Badgie is like, you know, loving this. Shax in a very much a not today sort of mode rips out the dang implant just cold hearted like yeah, right yeah. out like no anesthetic pulled right out of out of Rutherford's face uh it shoves him over into the the shuttle gets them out and oh, yeah just puts puts he throws Rutherford in there and he says hang in there baby bear and he, yeah. he pushes the shuttle out the back out the through the hole he's, he made coming in yeah yeah and uh Shax goes down like a freaking hero getting sacrificing himself and blown up on the on the packlet ship yeah. um uh continuing the very uh the very strong tradition of security officers dying in the first season yeah. of the star trek uh, uh series and uh you know we're not done here it's like oh no there's more of those packlet ships and they're like ha, ah, we have you now enterprise uh, but who should show up? Who should show up? But possibly the best part of the show. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. is the boy was like, "Hey, there's another ship coming in. It's the Titan, and it's here to, to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and it's all out of bubble gum." <laughs> and the bag was like, "Oh no, it's another Enterprise." 
and it comes in it's 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 wrecking everything and uh, uh apparently you know Riker knows Mariner because that's where she gets all her contraband all the the cool illegal yeah. stuff and is like wait what 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 stuff and he's wait, like, <laughs> we are so talking about this later yeah yeah uh so you have uh, the Paclids uh, retreating and uh, you know eventually the, the Cerritos is is back in space dock and they're given the option to jazz it up but Captain Freeman's like no 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 I, 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 the Cerritos should look all sov- should not look all sovereign class he's got a, yeah. got his own style right? uh, and and you've got Tendi waiting for Rutherford to come out of his uh, his, his coma she's like do you remember me at all and and he unfortunately doesn't because you know that that implant had had impacted him and um it she seems like well very sadly like you know what this means we get to become best friends all over again yeah yeah Yeah, she does a sort of fake i'm sad into i'm excited again right yeah yeah and 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 they end up having you know a a morose uh funeral for for shacks and then say you know he's with prophets now and it's very um uh, star trek 2 style right like the the angle the camera angle for Mm -hmm. the uh the the photon torpedo tube sort of coffin thing um and you end up with uh captain freeman again talking to mariner uh in her office about like all right we've got a whole year's worth of insubordination you're responsible for and Mary's like what you bring that up now after what i just did and saved and she's like no 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 you know if i did anything that, that you were doing like I, i'd be out immediately right like a captain can't do those sorts of things but you as, as somebody who's not a captain and more specifically like you can get away with some of these things and as i like to call it here in the notes captain freeman essentially wants to garrick yeah. and Mariner, where from in the pale moonlight a fantastic episode from star trek Deep space nine absolutely one of my favorites underhanded stuff needs to get done in order for the good guys to win yep and captain cisco recruits garrick and spoilers but garrick does some underhanded stuff that ends up with the right thing that they wanted that the romulans joined the war against the dominion war yeah granted they had to do all these crimes including murdering people yep um and garrick's like you knew what you were doing didn't you when you you recruited me i could do things that you could never do yep and, and and you're not dumb you knew that i was going to do them and and so you're not totally clean but you got the result you wanted and it sounds like that's what captain freeman's doing here right of like hey there's there's some qualities here that on the record by the books we we can't have official policy but it will get us to do the right thing uh you know get the right result yep. so that's an interesting setup um you end up with uh with Riker, uh, captain Riker, and Anna troy on uh actually i don't think they're on this i don't know if they're on the cerritos or if they were in in the, the space dock yeah they're, they're in a bar somewhere yeah yeah it was unclear to me but you know Riker says hello to Freeman and uh Commander Ransom wants to be introduced to Troy's beta, uh, betazoid friends and uh, <laughs> she senses with her uh, with her betazoid powers it's like hey uh, you're uh, you're talking a big game but it actually covers up huge insecurities like I can work with that can they tell that too Is there- <laughs> <laughs> I can make that work great yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh Riker says you know good job to Boimler and and we end up seeing the, the the many messages that uh mariner in, in the future here very short future has has left uh angry messages to boimler like, boimler you backstabbed me i can't believe you're taking a promotion on the titan uh and, and yeah you know good man uh, boimler has has gotten himself that promotion to it looked like lieutenant junior grade it did look right? like lieutenant junior grade yeah he's got his one and a half pips yep 
Yeah, so he's he's on he's on the Titan and uh, he's able to tell the other folks like, oh yeah, that 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 planet we're going to, I, I can show you around. I, I've been there because he was there earlier yeah. this season, right? He knows the diff- you know the little Solgana Four from the earlier episode. Yeah, the one that has the little little Kronos and the little Andorians and. Yeah, yeah, little Risa. Yeah. She says, "Will you bring and, and, a little little statue?" That's right. <laughs> Looking for some Majahara. <laughs> and you end up with uh, with with Riker uh, back on the on the bridge of the Titan after coming out of the turbo lift and saying, "You know, I was watching the first Enterprise. Those guys had a, a long road, road getting from, from there, there to here. here. Oh my god! <laughs> the sickest burn towards the yep. the series finale of uh, of." star trek enterprise yeah and uh the final part of the season is uh good old little peanut hamper left floating out in space <laughs> saying <laughs> so everybody help, forgot help, help. <laughs> yeah and i also liked uh, uh rikers instead of you know make it so or engage he does warp factor five six seven eight and then does the jazz song <laughs> and yeah, the says, oh, yeah. not the jazz not the jazz oh yeah <laughs> yeah so a couple of a couple of things too yeah you mentioned the easter egg about the the, the screenshot of uh the animated series with with kirk and spock from that show mm-hmm. but uh did, did you notice that the name of the, the shuttle was sequoia yeah and it was sort of handwritten oh, see on. that it wasn't like i don't know it didn't look yeah like it, it looks was... like it was written on with marker yeah exactly yeah, yeah. sequoia and yep. um and it had some like war paint painted on the front of it i guess with the same magic marker but interesting uh, there was also a good reference uh, when they're right at the beginning of the episode when they're standing in front of Landru. Uh, you know, she sort of says to Ransom, uh, Freeman says to Ransom, you know, if it's not, you know, one thing, it's another. And she, she references the Gamesters of, of Triskelion, which is another TOS episode. That's the one where uh, Kirk and Chekhov and Uhura go down to the planet and they have to become gladiators and fight for the amusement of the Triskelions. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, another, another good little, you know, got to know the deep cuts of the tos to get all these little little in jokes this one was packed like this there was so many little little sub references and jokes and little references again that spock helmet was fantastic like god Mm -hmm. what a what a deep deep cut that is yeah and although we have seen the design the notional design of the titan in um like the the novels covers book covers this does make it canon like like proper canon not not beta canon of like all right as long as the main materials don't well didn't uh, we see we saw the titan in um in insurrection right no isn't that the ship that that uh, Riker um, flies into save Picard at the end of the season. I mean, no, those no, the, no, the, no. That's the Zheng He or whatever. Oh, okay. yeah. oh that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. No, so, the Titan. In it's in it's because the beginning of Insurrection is the wedding, isn't it? They get married. Yeah. Wasn't that Nemesis? Was that Nemesis? Isn't that Nemesis? And I did. I know they mentioned the Titan, but I don't think they ever because they're on it. Like it, show it. They actually. I think at, at one point they actually show up in it. Uh, Troy and um, Riker show up in it in one of those two movies. I, I must admit it's been a long time since i've rewatched them well insurrection starts with data yeah data going nuts i remember that one all right you guys vamp i'll find it yeah i'd be curious to see if it if it ever showed up on screen um at all uh and if what i'm thinking is it didn't make final cut but it might possibly be in and deleted scene or something i got a picture here of the spock helmet i thought you guys would enjoy <laughs> <laughs> And a good show. I mean, like, like. So, is is this going to be Riker's, you know, new thing? He's going to sweep into every the end of every season and rescue everybody. Like, is he going to come into into uh, Discovery season three and rescue everybody at the end there? <laughs> 
Yeah, so he's got, what, at least three that I can think of? Three? three? situations. So so he saves the day in all good things when he shows up on the Enterprise D, the mm. the one with the three warp nacelles in the future, that right. the, yeah, the yeah, mega yeah. phaser right. that blows up the Klingons. Yeah. He shows up in um, uh, Picard in the season finale, and he shows up in Lower Decks season finale. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah he's, new uh, trope. he's yeah. the cavalry. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the nickname. I uh, Yeah, I'm looking it up, looking it up. I mean, you may be right. I think maybe they just reference it, because I know that that was this the thing is that that um Riker and Troy are leaving at the end of Nemesis to take command of the of the Titan but I don't remember if we actually see it or not yeah and and to me that was always kind of a a, a real silly missed opportunity just normally for um merchandising if it was like all right well I don't know that we can we can spend the, the budget to make this ship it'll only show up for like 30 seconds or less it's like bro but you can sell models of it <laughs> And put it in Happy Meals and all sorts of yeah. other stuff. Like they, they they should have done that. Uh, but now the the version that I've seen uh, from the I've never read any of the the Titan novels, but I have seen the book covers. I'm like, yeah, that is straight up the uh, I think Luna class starship USS Titan. And uh, looking online, it, it says that I think Tuvok is is his uh, is on his crew. Perhaps the security. I'm not sure. So so maybe maybe Tuvok might come back in some future episode as a as a voice actor. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that was a real nice. I mean. Again, Again, we had had a little bit of a tease halfway through the season with Star Trek Day. We knew that we were going to get John Delancey as Q. We knew that we were going to get uh, Jack McBrayer was going to have a uh, voice to play at some point. We knew Kurtwood Smith was coming. This came out of nowhere, although when they referenced the Titan earlier in the episode, you kind of had to figure that that was going to pay off. They don't say, hey, the Titan's nearby and then not have it pay off. Well, but... do they have, do they have, uh, do we know that Riker is the captain of the, of the Titan at the time? Or? In this era, yeah, he would be, because this is, this show runs after Nemesis. Right? Yeah, because there was there was some mm-hmm. point there where earlier in the season where Boimler wanted to get promoted to the Titan, or no, the 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 guy that was uh, yeah, the guy who wanted to transcend, yeah, yeah, he ended up on the Titan, right? And then yes. he got and then off. yeah, and he immediately gets kicked out for throwing st- or no, it's not the transcendence guy, it's the uh, guy who uh, gets transferred over who's been who gets kicked off for throwing garbage in the in right. the. Uh, oh yeah, and, Boimler's buddy from from yeah, yeah, the, yeah, academy. the academy, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. This was good. This was a hell of a finish to the season. I this was pretty grand in scope. The the they wove together a lot of existing stuff in the last the previous nine episodes. They wove in a lot of Star Trek history and and made it seem pretty epic. They killed off an established character for the show. Uh, yeah, hell of a way to finish the first season. Really, really strong mm-hmm. finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the interesting thing about this show, and and I think we realized it part way through this season, but just to recap this season that. Each episode is reasonably standalone, in, mm-hmm. and and I think of this series as being kind of like season four to seven, Deep Space Nine, where it has an arc, right? Yeah. Like this whole season definitely has uh, an overall arc. Characters have have their own arcs that that change them, and and yet you can sort of watch episodes in random order for the most part, except for the, you know this finale is is kind of hard to watch out of order, um, and and still be kind of okay if like yeah, these are standalone episodes that you get more as you as you know more about the story but you're not just left out in the cold uh, as you would with some of the more highly serialized ones like uh, we've talked about Disco and Picard where you jumped into episode 7 and be like what the heck is going on mm-hmm, right, right. Um, so I, I thought this was pretty interesting that it was in my view uh, maybe one of the best ways to to handle Trek where there's there's definitely folks out there that are like you know I kind of liked older Trek where there was like an alien of the week or a, a 
weird space anomaly of the week. And this series, I think, had a good balance between having more serialization where, like, you truly should watch every episode in order. You're not, like, at the whim of, oh, well, UPN decided to to show, you know, WWE this week or, Mm. you know, some some election thing came up and now this episode's out of order or you missed it or something. Like, you don't have any of that happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have uh, the suits from the studio saying, well, you know, you got to make it, you know, more standalone because we're going to syndicate this and, and they'll be shown in whatever order that, like, you know, the, the video jockey over in Topeka, Kansas decides to show them in. Um, and so I, I feel like they, with this series, and they've experimented, right, with, with Disco and Picard, like, I think they really nailed with this series the balance, the right balance between enough uh, old school Trek monster alien of the week sort of thing with the the new Trek of you're going to see an entire story play out from, from episode one till the finale. Yeah. And it's funny, it, it occurred to me as I was watching it, because I think one of the issues that, uh, Tim, I know you and I share with the Orville is that it's it's a really tough balancing act to balance the funny and the action, the, the real consequences and the humor. Like, it's it's a really fine line. And I find that Orville is a little ham-fisted with it sometimes. Right, yeah. It's not quite as, you know, it slams a little from one gear to the other. You know, you're going from first mm-hmm, to third mm-hmm. sometimes where you're like, oh, there's like a huge, you know, space battle and they're in trouble. Oh, and then there's a slapstick bit. And you're like, what the... This show has, and this particularly this episode, because it was pretty, you know, the stuff with the Packlids, you know, ships getting destroyed. They, you know, killed an entire crew. They killed off a main character. Like, th- those things weren't without consequence. You know, I didn't exactly shed a tear when Shax died, but I was like, oh, he's an, he was a funny character. Yeah, like, yeah. that's that's kind of sad. But I felt a little more investment than I think I have felt in, at any point so far with the Orville in that I felt like, um, you know, they really did, you know, the serious times were pretty serious without getting too over the top and the funny parts were funny but it managed to walk that line in a really deft way that uh that's really hard to do yeah it sort of has that sort of feel of a futurama or even the simpsons when you look at like even just looking at the stale images of the mm-hmm. characters like ransom you know like he's got that sort of square jaw kind of look and mm-hmm. and you know the all the characters are, are drawn the same way and the, and what i like about this star trek is as i said before is i think star trek's always taken itself a little too seriously mm-hmm. and and you know, especially the first series, right? But um, uh, this this is allowed this has allowed us to sort of and to bring all the Easter eggs in. I mean, like the thing about it is, is oh yeah, I mean every episode has tons of Easter eggs, you yep. know, that that fly over the heads of the people who are coming at this for the first time. But by the same token, though, it's written in such a way that the, the first timers can sort of get you know enjoy the humor and enjoy the character bonding and the writing and that kind of stuff. And um, I, I, it's funny, I was just listening to the first episode of our season this year. Um, the other day and you were talking about you know how when Captain Freeman first before we even knew Captain Freeman's name and she's going on about Mariner you said she's got to be her aunt or her godmother or something yeah you know um, and I, I don't remember if we did find out in the first season that she's her mom but uh, or first, first episode, episode yeah yeah but but you had you know you were saying is you know the way it had been written so I mean there's a lot of a lot of sort of similarities in the way this thing is written and I'm glad that they kept some of the sort of you know surprises like Riker or or Jonathan mm-hmm. Frakes and and um, and um, Marina Sirtis. I'm glad they kept that close to their chest, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it, it's funny because I guess Riker kind of, or not Riker, but Jonathan Frakes kind of hinted at it because he sort of said, you know, they could come up to Toronto and they could, you know, just throw me into a chair and, and put me in a scene. Yep. I mean, and that's essentially what they had done.
done. And it's funny. I don't know if you, if you saw this, the, um, uh, you know, I've been following, uh, some of these characters on our Spotcast uh, podcast, um, Twitter account, right. Uh, I follow, you know, Jerry Ryan and Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Brakes and, and, um, Patrick Stewart and, and, um, and, and, um, uh, Marina Sirtis was, was complaining that she didn't really get much of a role in Star Trek day. Right. Cause they, they were mm. talking about, Oh, they're talking to all the captains. She's like, wait, I was a captain, mm-hmm. you know, cause she did, she did pilot. I think you said you piloted it twice of the, the enterprise. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, she's the one that, you know, saved it. I'm doing air quotes. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think saved is the right word, but she landed it. Well, she saved it. <laughs> That's not everybody the, died. I mean, the, 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 airports, the, right? the Nexus ribbon tore them up, but like, yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do with the crash. Well, and the people in the lower decks, well, they're in the lower decks anyway. So it doesn't That's matter, true. Right? I mean, yeah, they had it coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, now that we've reached the end, this is the, the 10th and final episode of the season. What, when you view it as a totality, when you look at the whole season, you think back, obviously, you know, uh, you know, I, I have to say, I've enjoyed this more than the two seasons of Discovery. Yeah. How about yeah. you, Jaime? Hmm. Comparing it to this. Or just overall Trek. I mean, you yeah. know, this. Where where does this sort of fit in now? It, it ranks fairly highly. Now, like, granted, I, I often try to caveat that is it's still fresh in my mind, and so I, I kind of need a little bit of time to get away from it for a little bit, and then see how I feel. This is often a conversation we had when we were um, uh, talking about like Star Wars episodes that came out, and and obviously as time has gone on, I've changed I think fair amount uh, on some of the newer stuff. Um, but I think this one is going to continue to rank fairly highly because I think it does a good job of balancing, you know, new viewers versus, uh, you know, existing viewers. I think it does a good job of balancing um, the tone, as you mentioned. And, and I am a, on this podcast, for folks who don't know, I am like the Orville fan here, but I fully agree that this does a better job of of hitting the tone right between uh, comedic and serious. And I also think this does a really good job of matching the, the right sort of balance of serialized versus episodic nature and i think it's it's got some things that are really kind of nice to see where like this battle with the packlets would have been really hard to do in uh in in real life type cgi styles right where it works brilliantly as uh as an animated series where they could tear apart the ship and it's i mean i'm sure it's not cheap but it's probably not quite as expensive as if they were trying to tear apart uh you know the enterprise or something from uh, like movies los Ritos does so get that, tear, that, tear, cool. torn apart in like the fourth or fifth episode so this year, but you know, miraculously, it's it's repaired in the next episode, which is the beauty of, of an animated thing. But I have a question though. So the the pack lids, I remember them from the deep. I mean, I remember the characters, but I don't remember the story behind that episode. What was the story about? Were they scrap hunters, or did they lure yeah, the they, Enterprise? They do exactly what Boimler said. They basically uh, they set out a distress signal that brings in ships, and then they they basically try and steal. Right, right. But they're they're bumbling like they're. They're, they're idiots yeah, yeah like they're not quite as uh dominant in their wielding of power as they are in this episode by any means right right mm. but yeah they i think they they bring them aboard the enterprise do they not have me they bring them aboard and because they think that they're harmless and then it turns mm-hmm. out that they're not yeah they like kidnap jordy or something yeah um and i don't remember how it resolves but they were uh you know it was one of those like hey let's go help oh no <laughs> they've taken our person hostage right yeah, so, right yeah there's a similar episode like that in in uh 
the Enterprise series too, where they they take Trip. Yep. Somebody, somebody takes Trip and they tri- they imprison him on the ship and have force him to fix their their uh, their warp core or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's an old trope, right? You, you yeah. You know, steal the Doctor and bring them back to your town to be the Doctor or whatever. Right. That, right. That, that Firefly, right? right. Yeah. I, I feel like the Starfleet code should be don't send the chief engineer send a lower decker for heaven's sake (laughs) and have them report to the chief engineer who's safely away on their zoom call saying yeah that's cool it looks like you know their their impulse manifolds need to be you know degaussed or something yeah uh can can i just say i'd like i like the scene with billups handing out hand pies as well from tonight's episode Ooh, key lime i don't know what a hand pie is but that was funny Mm. that dude is so weird that i I, yeah he's the the unsung hero uh uh, in the background of he's of a scene the stealer he is yeah. absolutely well again it's paul Shear, right a great comedian he he steals a lot of scenes where you're like that dude's weird but really mm-hmm. really funny mm-hmm. did you guys notice that uh sulu's foil is also in mariner's I, stash uh, it is and actually boimler uses it yes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah yep. yeah that was awesome yeah, there's always like, and it's funny because again, I, I pride myself on catching a lot of things, uh, but usually by by the Friday, if episodes air on Thursday, mm-hmm. usually by Friday, there's a few different good uh, Star Trek fan blogs and stuff like that that mm-hmm. will have uh, Easter egg hunts basically spelled out. Right. And I'll catch a good, you know, eight or 10 things per episode and pat myself on the back. And then I'll go through their lists. I'm like, oh, they found 30. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. The level yeah. of, of stuff. Now, some of it, you could say they're kind of reading into it, but yeah. but some of the stuff, like, they're right. Like, they'll have stills and stuff. You're like, oh, how did I not see that? Yeah. Or it's, even it's, some of the things that people say, like the the dropping the terms, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the name dropping. Yep. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. I, this this is uh, this is quickly climbing the charts. It's one of my all-time favorite tracks. It's it's really, really enjoyable television. I must admit, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed. If we didn't have Disco to look forward to next week, I, I probably mm-hmm. feel a little bit of a letdown, but uh, it is definitely tempered by the fact that we're uh, we're gonna jump right from this straight into uh what is i would say a pretty anticipated season of discovery given where we left off and the sort of huge um you know surprising ending to the last episode of season two so right so what do we expect to see from i mean we've seen the trailer for disco three what do we what do we think we're going to see in the, the season what do you think is going to happen like I... we know we know that uh, i'm going to see mariner but we know that michael um burnham meets some guy in the future yep right and, and it's the guy from the the short track right yep um and then we have an, a, a, another subplot where siru and the other gang from um the Inter- or discovery discovery yeah. yeah discovery name of the ship um they're doing their thing and um, I guess somehow they meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I mean, she was separated, obviously, from them in, in bringing them to the future. I think the interesting thing will be to sort of, uh, well, one, this will be our first sort of look at the far future of the Star Trek universe, right? Mm-hmm. We've never gone past, like, the furthest we've gone forward in the main core timeline is Picard. Right. And, you know, that is not a hugely dissimilar world than we're, what we're used to, right? It's There's some differences, obviously, you know, the Romulan uh diaspora and uh you know there's there's some stuff that's that's different but it's pretty similar to what we're used to Mm -hmm. to see it another 600 years past that or 500 plus years past that that's pretty cool um it will be very interesting to see what the sort of motivation is are they going to try and spend the season how do we get back to our own time or is it we can't go back to our time because that seemed to be the point that they reached in season two was we can't go back right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so is this the status quo are we staying in the future 
you know, wait, how, does the, red, how does the Red Angel come back in season two? Doesn't the Red Angel come back in time? Yeah, but wasn't the, it's because she was like slingshotting in time because she was tied to Burnham, right? Wasn't right. that the whole okay. thing? Now yeah. that Burnham's in the future, she can't. That's not a thing anymore, right? Right. Maybe. Yeah. But isn't that Burnham in the future coming back? Yes. Right. I think that got fully closed. It is complicated to, to, to go through and I'd have to go listen to our episode <laughs> to see how we resolved it. But I think um, between um, uh, Mama Burnham and Michael Burnham, I think everything was accounted for and then they're going off into the future to prevent the sphere data that's in the Discovery's yeah. computer systems from falling into the hands of control, which probably is dead, but you never really know. So mm-hmm. why take a chance or we're taking one for the team? And yeah. uh, what I expect to see is um, definitely a lot of what you guys talked about there, of course. But also, uh, as a reminder that I'm an, uh, an irrational uh, uh, Lexa Doig fan, uh, just wanted to bring that up because it's <laughs> vaguely relative. I don't expect to see her on there just to be really straightforward and clear. But I do expect something kind of like the Andromeda series that she was on that was uh, a Gene Roddenberry property that was hypothetically at some point supposed to be a, oh, what if the Federation falls and they have to bring it back together? And that was the premise of that show, that the their equivalent of the Federation, the Commonwealth, was this great thing and it fell into chaos and the, uh, the main character uh, played by Kevin Sorbo was uh you know flung well not flung uh appears in the future for for uh through through space means uh space anomaly means and uh decides like i'm going to rebuild the commonwealth and that's sort of what i expect to see happening here from just given what they've shown is it like the federation is it's fractured or gone diminished and the discovery folks are going to try to rebuild the federation yeah and you get that from the promotional material right you see them standing there with that big federation flag sort of planting in the soil like it, it does have a real feel of that doesn't it yeah yeah the the flag with the the many fewer stars that you can cast like four or five instead of the the very many that it has is kind of like you know pick your nation but i i happen to be from the usa so i map it to what if the united states didn't have 50 stars and only had like 17 or hmm. five what would oh, that oh be you like? mean so like next year <laughs> after the civil war yeah if you need us we'll be on top of our wall we're building out of snow this winter and uh we'll be holding the marshmallows out over your country as it burns yeah yeah we're gonna have a stack of uh used um uh virus um syringes to make walls (laughs) that's right (laughs) so you guys haven't seen world war z and haven't seen how walls are overcomable without even mythical dragons and stuff yeah no no i've seen that i've yeah no it's again we'll I think uh, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, there was a great South Park episode last season where, uh, last season or the season before, where uh, they've got Mr. Garrison as their stand-in for, for President Trump with the sort of, you know, boisterous uh, attitude and everything else. And he basically uh, says, you know, I'm going to build the wall, I'm going to build the wall. And they say, sir, the wall's already been built. And he says, what? And then they drive up and they, the Canadians have built a wall. The flapping head Canadians have uh, <laughs> have built a huge wall. They're like, no, we're full. Thank you. Oh, those Canadians with their beady little eyes and flapping heads so full of lies. That's the ones. That's the ones. (laughs) Blame us. Don't blame us. Yep. Yep. 
Well, it should be good. I'm looking forward to next week. It's uh, Discovery, I think, really gained some momentum for me in uh, in season two, and and the whole sort of mystery of of who is the the angel, and that was okay. But I think they really sort of finished up strong as they tied that whole storyline together and and built towards the you know we're going to have to sacrifice ourselves, and and you know, and I think it'll be interesting too because they they've sort of streamlined the crew a lot, right? We're going to have sort of the the core of people that are there. We know. Some some of them we're going to get to know some of them better uh you know tignataro is coming back uh which is great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it'll be interesting to see how they how they how much time they give to the different characters or if this is still going to be sort of the michael burnham uh show yeah right. and and given that they presumably unless plans have changed and i missed it are, are still at some point planning to make the section 31 show with emperor jojo so she either recreates section 31 in the future very similar to the federation being recreated or i'm assuming she gets it's you know kicked into like a wormhole or something and like bye bye she goes back into the into the past where she came from or something I'm kind of curious to see how they deal with that yeah yeah yes sir. all right let's get to our uh watch list oh sorry siri go away thank you <laughs> is it you all right. are you wrong yeah let's get to our headline or sorry let's get to our watch list so what do you, what do you got uh Jaime? i've got one from on, on youtube from Metaball let me guess Studios. it's star trek based they they it's really cool they've had a whole bunch of, of different kinds of videos but the first one i'll talk about is the one we've got linked here in our show notes for those of you transporting at home which is their fictional starships size comparison where they have 3d models overlaid over i believe it's uh manhattan uh to give you size comparison and they they start, you know, kind of small, like uh, like the uh, Pikmin uh, astronaut ship, and and go from there until you get to the size of things is like you know the USS Enterprise original and and uh, Next Generation, mm-hmm. the the SDF one from Macross, the Battlestar Galactica, and and kudos to them for mentioning, and I don't want to spoil it here for, for at some point when they get larger, showing off a a ship that uh, is the main plot point of a a, a very famous Chinese movie. Of, of recent import um, and and they've got some other ones if you're interested in more and you like the video uh they've got uh, uh sci-fi uh land vehicles and air-based vehicles and even a, a very different kind of uh let's model stuff and and see how big things are relative in size where they take what if countries were planets based on their surface area and i was kind of surprised by by the list actually in a couple spots so uh very very cool uh spoilers canada is free and massive which i knew <laughs> but didn't have a good sense of given the mercator projections distortion on on typical maps that i view yeah. even so by landmass it's the second largest country in the world so it, it's big mm-hmm. it's big yeah yeah we like it that way yeah i'm just watching jaime's little movie here in my while you guys talk about it <laughs> all right uh jonathan what do you got for the watch list yeah i've got a few no-brainers so i put dust disco obviously is sort of the the duh one here of course we're all looking forward to that one mm-hmm. uh tomorrow night for us it'll be in the past by the time our, uh, our audience listens but the season finale of the boys season two will have aired and i'm loving that show and i'm loving uh where it's going the performances are fantastic it really built off a, a strong season one with an even better season two and i cannot wait to see how they wrap this one up so i'm very very keen that'll be on my uh on my to-do list this weekend for sure and the other thing i've got on here is today just today we got the first teaser trailer 
for the Invincible uh, cartoon series that's going to be on Amazon Prime. Invincible is based on a comic book series written by Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead. And it ran for, let's see, 100, about 10, no more than that, 12 years, about 12 or 13 years. And it just ended last year. Uh, it was a really, really exceptional uh, superhero series. It, was, it focuses on a teenage boy named Mark Grayson who uh, he knows his father is a superhero, but he's a teenager and he doesn't have any powers. And then all of a sudden his powers sort of manifest and he's able to sort of join uh, into the sort of superhero family business, as it were. Um, but in, you know, fine tradition of, of comic books, things aren't always as uh, rosy as they seem. And uh, and being the son of a famous hero is, is not all it's cracked up to be. And uh, it's being played very much like the comic. The comic is, it's got some light bits. Um, it's it's a little bit like old Spider-Man. It's got a lot of, um, you know, uh, it's about him and his relationship with, um, you know, some of the female characters in his life. It's about him and his friendships and stuff like that. So it's kind of got some appeal to that sort of, you know, not just, you know, pew, pew, pew audience. And looking at the first trailer, um, you know, we knew that there was going to be a really talented voice cast on it. And uh, and it looks really good. And it, the animation style is very reminiscent of the artwork by Ryan Otley, who wrote, uh, drew most of the series. Um, Corey Walker drew the first few issues, but um, but he drew the bulk of them. And it really is reminiscent of his art style. And I think it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this one comes together. It seems like they're going very true to the stories from the comic. Um, hopefully it won't uh, get lost in the mire like The Walking Dead did as a television series. Um, it is going to be pretty explicit. There is a lot of, you know, blood, guts, and violence um, mixed into the comic, and it looks like from the trailer that's in the show. But uh, but check out the trailer. It's very cool, and it says it's coming uh, next year. Again, with animation, obviously, the next part is they don't have to go out and film, so hopefully that one will be still uh, not getting bumped. But yeah, it looks really, really good. Uh, have you guys had a chance to look at that one? Invincible? No. Yeah, I haven't haven't seen the teaser here, so I'm gonna take a peek at that from the notes. But I am uh, a little bit familiar with the the concept, and I was like, why does this hero look familiar? I was like, oh yeah, because I think probably some 12 years ago, I probably did see some of the comics, and and I think I might have gotten like a free comics uh, comic book day comic or something that was like, oh here's like an issue zero or something to yeah. explain the basic premise. Because I knew that you were gonna say, oh he his father was a superhero, and then he suddenly becomes a super hero yep. and, and dealing with that so i'm not super familiar with the property but it seemed pretty cool from the comic that i had seen yeah actually if for those who are interested it's uh this year free comic book day didn't happen it's an annual event that usually happens in um spring this year obviously because of covid it couldn't happen in the, in the traditional form which is that most publishers will put out a free book you go to your local comic store you can pick out usually one or a few of the free issues and and have uh some free stories this year they decided to do it a little differently so they've been sending them to the stores in batches so that your local store can give them out uh sort of you know put them out where people can get at them or put them out and have little events and stuff like that the image comics free comic book day book for this year is a reprinting of invincible number one so if you want to sort of get a little intro and i'm sure this is obviously tied to the marketing if you want to get a little taste of what that's like if you go to your local comic store chances are you might be able to pick up uh, a free 
preview issue. So you can actually have a little taste. And it seems, like I say, from looking at the trailer and, and my understanding of, of reading up uh, on it a little bit in advance, that they're going to follow that storyline pretty, pretty, especially the first sort of arc of the of the comic is going to be very much part of the uh, of the animated series. So you can get a little sneak peek if you're interested. Right. Cool. Uh, and um, so my picks are a couple of... Uh, I just finished watching Ted Lasso like about an hour ago. So I put that on here. I know that Jaime mentioned that one before, right? Mm-hmm. I finished that one up too. Yeah. It's interesting, and and I mean, it started off as a sort of ridiculous premise, and and uh, but she gets quite good near the end. There's, I think, the seventh, eighth, and ninth episodes are quite good. Um, is it strictly a comedy? I, I've seen the trailer, and it looks funny, but I I haven't haven't no, gotten into it yet. Well, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's um it's a fish out of water story, obviously, right? But yeah. um uh you know, and it's you know the whole sort of yeah the the country bumpkin and you know kind of thing coming to you know, society, but there's there's, there's some good twists and turns in there and um it's sort of a dramedy you know it's got mm-hmm. some drama and some yeah. comedy in it but you know and uh yeah it's, and it's a typical sports thing where you root for the home the home team as it were worth the so, time yeah, oh yeah it's definitely worth watching for sure yeah, um, yeah I, actually, it, I was actually thinking about it because i think my um my free subscriptions of the apple tv ends and you can't get uh you can't just roll into like go buy some more hardware and get another free year which is kind of a shame uh, when you think about how much money you can potentially spend every year um, but I guess I guess the subscription is nowhere near what the, the cost of some of the gear you buy from Apple is anyway. Um, so and I was thinking about like so have I watched you know enough to to sort of justify every month paying something and and are the quality of shows that good? I mean this is this is one of the better shows that I've seen on Apple TV in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all things considered, I can't think of any other show that was sort of blown blown away blown me away. But and, but, but I'm also a big Jason Sudeikis fan, right? So so he's he's kind of interesting in this story the other show yeah, i started I, watching too um it's called next i think i might have mentioned it or tried to mention it coming up uh it's about an ai it's kind of um you know so it's but it's it's on traditional television it's not on like any any of the sort of heavy duty channels i think it's like um abc or nbc or something like that right it's not a you know specialty channel kind of show so um i i always have my worries about those kind of shows because you know when the big three networks get a hold of a show they kind they kind of water it down a lot um but so far it's been pretty good actually what did I watch? Oh, the uh, and Brave New World is 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 getting interesting too. I think I, I mentioned it last week, right? But uh, yeah, Nexus is looking interesting too. And I did finish. Um, I don't know if I finished Utopia last week when we were talking about it, but I I did finish it off this uh, this week. So it'd be interesting to see what you think about that one, Utopia, John. Yeah, that's that's definitely on my to do list. Uh, now that I'm sort of winding down some of my other series, I'll I'll have to pick that mm-hmm. up. Did you finish um, uh, Raised by Wolves? I did. Uh, I ended up having to watch the rest of the end of it on Crave because Rogers messed up the the timing on the, the schedule and stuff. And this is unprecedented stuff you're telling me here. I had no idea they would do that kind of stuff. Yeah, like they they, <laughs> they screwed up the schedule first of all, so you, it was very hard to record. And then they would end they would end the the, the recording schedule before the actual episode ended. Yeah. So I kind of watched it in kind of disjointed order, and so I finally went back, finally logged into Crave and to, to try and see if I could watch the, the last two episodes. Um, it's definitely got that Ridley Scott vibe to it, like the sort of you know the it, it all kind of, everything he does all ties together, right? Like seen other than you know some of the earlier movies, but all the sort of Alien and you know Alien Two and um, what was the one he just did a couple of years ago with uh, Michael Fassbender um, or Prometheus, right? That kind yes, of ties in. So right. it, it, everything yeah. all kind of ties together after a while. So and and it's 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 interesting, you know, like we talked about how you know Lower Decks ties in the other track, and we talked. We've talked about other shows like Doctor Who. 
that ties stuff in and they bring back characters, they bring back plot lines, they bring back enemies and that kind of stuff. Um, Ridley Scott's kind of getting predictable in that sense. I mean, a huge fan mm-hmm. of his work, right? He's one of, I'm, you know, one of my favorite directors, but it's like, okay, again, this storyline again, seriously, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? I'm not going to give it away, but I'll, I'll, I'll see if you if you get the same sense that I that I did, you know, because because it, it was sort of a fresh take on another future telling of, of you know the history of man and the future history of man, and uh, yeah, it just comes back to the same things over and over again, right? So hmm. yeah, and that was yeah. a short season too, wasn't it? It wasn't very many episodes. It was a ten. Is it ten? Yeah, yeah, ten episodes. Yeah, so it was it was you know is um like, a, like again it's another one of these things where it's sad because it could have gone a whole lot of places, right? But it, it comes back to the same plot again and it's like okay enough we get it you know mm. yeah there's only one possible you know alien type life form i, I think I'm, t- I'm saying too much <laughs> yeah i'll uh i'll put that one on the list below utopia then yeah definitely yeah utopia is more was a lot of fun utopia is yeah utopia is a lot of fun i'm just gonna leave it that right so, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting things yeah don't don't check out imdb as you're watching it wait till you're finished <laughs> noted because I, I made the mistake i wanted to i went to look up one of the actors and i kind of got a bit of a surprise I'm like, oh, well, I shouldn't have watched that. Shouldn't have, you know, should have waited till I watched the episodes and then gone back in. Again, I'm saying too much. <laughs> anyway, I guess that's it for a yet another week and another series. We're going to move on to Discovery next week. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. Right, and my name is Timitra. I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the SpotCast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at SpotCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpotCast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, SpotCast.com slash SponsorUs. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. <laughs> Another Star Trek put to bed. So I started putting the uh, the mm-hmm. lower decks. I didn't realize I hadn't put the lower decks up on YouTube. That's why I was watching them again. So and uh, I was I was I saw a, a clip and on how to sort of get more people to follow your YouTube. So apparently there's a whole SEO kind of thing. Not so much SEO, but a whole way of creating a homepage and um, getting YouTube to refer people to you kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's all about the homepage apparently, and got to have a banner and blah blah blah, right? So I've, I've basically put.
put the Spockcast content as a sort of a feature th- uh, feature um, playlist. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah, if you guys want to go in and like the playlist, then, then the three of us can sort of, you know, use our cloud or whatever to create a thing. Do you guys have YouTube or YouTube channels or playlists uh, and stuff? Yeah, I have a... Um, <laughs> so I use my YouTube channel to um, put my concert stuff from the, all yes, the stuff that I've I go to. Yes, i that, yes. Um, so I've actually amassed a rather um, surprising, to me, large following on that channel. Yeah, it's. I, I noticed you've, you've seen like a lot of stuff you've... I, I get nailed every now and then with the, oh, this is a copyrighted thing and you shouldn't be showing... It. One of my videos got taken down. Really? Yeah, one of the... One of the um, it was a, a song about um, some animal life forms. Um, yeah, it oh. got taken down, and and I don't see why because because the artist published a, a movie on Prime, I think, uh, of a live concert, and and they saw, I guess, whoever the copyright owner of that tracks saw the video that I posted and went, "Oh, that's exactly like the concert that we just published," and took it down. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that they they are far more restrictive on music than they are on yeah. video. Um, so sometimes it's just a about the song they, they, they don't want to hear the song right yeah well, I've noticed too it takes a long time for them to render the video so I'm sure they've got some algorithms looking at the pictures and things right so yeah but mine is uh I was gonna look it up here my numbers are stupid and I just it's baffling yeah. but it has a lot to do with like a handful of videos so I've had yeah. more than three and a half million views of the like 80 or so videos that I've put up over <laughs> the years really but most of those are around about six or seven videos mostly uh my wife and i went to see dua lipa who's a very popular pop singer yeah um and she's very attractive and um so I get like comments from around the world because she's very internationally famous. Mm-hmm. And there's a few other artists where, you know, like Morrissey and a few others that I've, um, you know, gone to see the concerts, put up a song or two. And then, yeah, for some reason, they just take on a life of their own and, and get hundreds of thousands or if not, uh, I think some of the Dua Lipa stuff has a million views plus. And so oh, I managed sure. to rack up like, I don't know what, four or five thousand, um, 4.6. So f- 4,600 plus subscribers. Really? Well, it's a lot. It's a lot. But again, I don't do anything with that. It's just, it's all just concert videos. Right? Well, so the thing about it is, is like, yeah, the problem with problem with concert videos is because if they're copyrighted by somebody else, you can't monetize them. But you Yeah, none of my stuff is mine. And as a matter of fact, I, I deliberately go in when I post stuff and demonetize it. I turn it off anyways. Yeah. Because um, it's not mine. It I like, it's not like it's a cover version or something where I'm like, hey, look at me. It's just like, it's not my money to make. Some yeah. of the stuff that I have has had monetization attached to it like they'll put yeah. a little commercial on it and that's for the artist to make the money which i'm happy to support like i'm sure, happy yeah. to make the money so yep. um, so for me like the the surprising like you know i got an Elton, a foo fighters thing from roger center there that's got like you know 59 or 5.9 k views and then a couple of elton one in elton john one two elton john ones that are in the thousands and and one uh, xanadu played by classic albums live has got five thousand views but twenty three thousand views of me using Nebo, which is from more than just code podcast, like with just me demoing how and listening to like the keynote and taking notes with, with my pencil on my Apple on my iPad Pro, and that like that people just chew that up. It's a three year old video, which I find really interesting. Like why that one of all the stuff that I posted right gets that many views, right? So yeah, you know, and we and you know between I've got some more than I've got some some episodes of more than just code on here, and I've got like I've got all of the Picard series on uh, YouTube, and we you know we've had you know two views four views 13 views right so i don't know what the secret is you know to get people to look at your stuff 
It's an algorithm yep. for sure. Uh, definitely that, yes. <clears throat> yeah, so if you, if you go over to if you go to my uh, YouTube page, I don't know if you can do that or not from where you are, you can see the, how I changed the home page. And then, so you, you pick a feature so video just, and you put Tim? it It's Tim? It's, or it's... Yeah, it's Timitra. I don't know. Um, Timitra, there you are, sure enough. Look, I just subscribed to you. Yeah, so... Oh, I got another subscriber. How about that? Um, okay. But you can see that, that you know, so the, the whole thing about they've got the one... I've got the season finale for Picard there as a sort of a oh, featured yeah. Yeah, yeah. one. Um, the one one thing the guy was sort of saying was do like a forty second um, video where you talk about what the purpose of your what purpose of your channel or the kind of content you put up there and the reason why you do forty seconds as opposed to minutes is because people aren't going to look at it for that long but if somebody finds something you like the, if they watch one of your videos and they end up on this in your homepage um, there's a way to put like you can see that I've got the the lower deck stuff and the and the spotcast stuff as my second role and then I've got mm-hmm. oh sorry uploads uploads I moved it up to the top. And then I've got the Spotcast role. And for some reason, it shows it in the chronological order. I haven't figured out how to turn it around and make it go the other way. And hmm. um, then some of the more than just code stuff. And then the concert stuff, uh, popular uploads. And then um, and then I've got the live performance role as well, right? And nice. so how you lay this out, like you just, you go into customized channel and you do this stuff. And then on the about, you write something about, you know, what, what the, po- what, you know, who you are, what you're doing. And then you have, you can put some links there. So I've got links to the other two podcasts there. You know, I can see my total views is 50. 53,000 views, which is way less than you. Well, yeah, I guess. But again, mine is driven by, you know, attractive pop singers. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. clearly what you're missing is more uh, uh, oh, look, I'm subscribed to you. Women. You're for, I'm one of your 46,000 viewers. Nice. Wow. Yeah, how about that? Glad to have you aboard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's actually videos that I, I just, um, I had said it, I had gone early in the pandemic when I was, you know, trapped at home. What I had done is basically uploaded every video that I could find mm-hmm. of every concert I've been to over the past few years. Just put the date and, and put it in, put some SEO words in yeah. and set them to post one a day every day. And it lasted for about three and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, some stuff that you and I have been to is in there. The Tom Petty, the Tragically yeah. Hips final concert. Uh, there's, some, there's some really good stuff in there. Yeah, uh, I have some hip stuff too, but I did all my hip stuff on, on um, what's that thing called? Periscope. So they're, they're low quality, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see your... Uh, let me go over to your channel. Let's have a look and see this Jonathan Gulan guy. He's got a lot to say. Yeah, see, like, yeah, you only, you obviously need to do your homepage, but yeah, yeah no, I haven't done Bob anything. Cajun and uh, which yeah. one's got lots of views? Why doesn't it show which one's got the most? I'll go to videos, I guess. Which one's got millions of views? Oh, it's the Dua Lipa and um, yeah, Florence and the Machine has a few thousand views. Um, hmm. Morrissey has a few thousand views. There's there's a bunch in there. A lot of the stuff, like it's funny because some of the stuff I'm like, oh, this is a great video. Like the stuff when you and I went to see David Byrne, mm-hmm. those videos are fantastic. Like this is a really interesting performance, but like mm-hmm. like 25 people have looked at them. Well, like, yeah, oh, and, and he's just again, he's also come out with. He just was at the Toronto Film Festival, I think, right? Uh, like the that Utopia concert that he did. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, it's gonna so be. I'm on. sure we'll get a you know lapped on the wrist, and I'm, I'm still see. Yeah, you're at 106 views. I'm just looking, scrolling through your thing. Mm-hmm. 1.6 views, Morrissey, right? 1.6 thousand, I should say. Yeah, and then oh, seating color. Yeah, again, there's there's lots of enjoyable stuff on there. It's just you know obviously yeah. what people are into, right? Yep. New order. They even did some Joy Division in there. Very very cool. Yeah, I was watching. Um, uh, who are the two guys uh, that do? Everybody wants to save the world. Tears for Fears. Yeah, they have a good uh, video on YouTube, the two of them playing together, right? Yeah, I saw them live maybe three yeah, or four years ago. Yeah, I about it, yeah. And uh, I had, uh, I've always enjoyed their music. Mm-hmm. I think they're very underrated, but mm-hmm. um, they were fantastic.
fantastic live. Really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So you should you should move the Dua Lipa one up as as your featured video if that's the one that gets the most hits. Yeah. There's there's a few of them in there that have, that have gotten a, a fair number. It doesn't hurt that for her show she was wearing uh, child size clothing. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Well, that's it's funny because it notifies. I've I've got it set so that it notifies me if people make comments on my posts, mm-hmm. and I get posts in like I can't tell you how many different languages because she's very popular internationally and i find it very funny because of course they post in their native language and that's completely fine mm-hmm. but when it sends you a notification it doesn't bother the translator or anything so i have no idea what people are saying it could be wildly inappropriate yeah but i don't know i don't speak any number of the languages because they're not even yeah. most of them in a in a latin alphabet so like yeah. the, mo- the most comments i get is on the xanadu video right and it's funny they're like i can't believe it took six guys to play what you know rush did with three guys i'm sorry but if you go back and listen to the album it's all done with double tracking and uh, yeah, yeah it was like three guys double tracking yeah so yeah don't don't start yeah anyway but yeah now that one uh, for some reason that's the only one people that one and one of the um one of the elton john ones people comment on but that's it yeah and i got more i should probably post some more yeah again for me like honestly when i started making videos years ago going to shows i'd sort of take out my iphone or if i have my little i have a little pocket-sized uh very nice mm-hmm. little pocket-sized camera mm-hmm. i would take it out and it was because my wife is only five foot three yeah, she can't um see. Yeah. you know we would go to shows and we would we, we got into a very good habit of trying to go early enough that she could get into a position where she'd be close to the front or off mm-hmm. to the side where she could have a good vantage point but even right. then sometimes she struggles so i would often make videos because I'm six foot two, uh, I would make videos where, from my perspective, I could see things very clearly, and then I would share them with her so that she could enjoy them from a little different perspective. Right. And right. and then you know, I after a while, I just sort of amassed a bunch of these things and thought, well, they're just sitting on my hard drive. I should I should do something mm-hmm. with them. So I put them up there and then started sending her links, and and it just sort of took on a life of its own because they're all public. So uh, I'm glad people are enjoying them because I certainly uh, I'm I'm desperately miss going to concerts. I mean huge huge live music fan and uh this one of the more upsetting portions of the yeah, reality we're all living in is the uh I, I you know and we've talked about it before tim like one of the best ways to support artists you enjoy is to go see them live because a lot yep. of that money goes into their pockets as opposed to nowadays the fractions of pennies that they get from streaming and everything yep. else if you if you like an artist and you have the opportunity to go obviously if it's safe to do so you go you pay for the ticket you buy a t-shirt or, or a, an album or whatever when you go there mm-hmm. uh and you support them and that money is a little more directly to the artists and i'm and i'm more than happy to do that with artists that i like Mm -hmm. um it's uh i worry i worry not just about the artists but i worry about the venues i worry about uh you know the the sort of state of that industry going forward it's this is pretty uh devastating times for that particular uh area right now artists are are hurting i think not being able to get out there and do that stuff so i've been watching um the classic albums live people every wednesday to do a show right Mm. And they've been doing it at the Empire Theater in Belleville. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, obviously, I, I guess the, the, the hit count in Belleville is pretty low. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because they, they do, like, an album every week, and, and it's uh, really cool, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and a lot of artists I've noticed, like, uh, you know, I'm still still on all the mailing lists that I was on before for different artists I enjoy and everything else. A lot of artists are doing the sort of, you know, uh, you can pay a fee and have exclusive uh, streaming of a live show. They'll do, you know, sometimes they do it from home. Sometimes they'll do it in a venue, and they'll... Uh, 
obviously have a, a skeleton crew to help uh, work with them to do that. I haven't done it yet. I do know a few people who have done it for, you know, some artists, Canadian artists, smaller artists and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I can't say I would enjoy that as much, but then I kind of feel like maybe it's something worth doing just again to sort of help support some of the artists who have enjoyed over the years mm-hmm. you know i know like even huge artists like billy eilish has got one coming i think it's the 24th of october where Life she's thing? she's doing a live but but it's like ticketed just like a show you have yeah. to yep. purchase a ticket and then they give you a, a you know a streaming a code, code yeah. that you can put in yeah. and when it, the show comes on you can sit and you can watch the show um Again, for me, it's not obviously the same experience. You know, you have a nice TV, you have a nice setup. Obviously, those things are good, but it's not quite the same as being right there in the room with the artists and watching the artistry up close and everything else. So, right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good time to pack it in. All right, I'll okay. talk to you guys next week for the season premiere. Was it was it this show or was it uh, more than just code we were talking about the word premiere, I may. I, I don't I'm remember. actually unclear which show it was where I talked about He was premiere. asking about the pronunciation of premiere. Yeah. Yeah. I think we say so, the French so way, right? American style, we tend to say uh, premiere. And as far as I can hear from listening to the British say it, especially on like English, English Premier League, is premiere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was struggling to get through it on whichever show it was if you don't recognize it jonathan it must have been more than this code i guess we yeah, i don't recognize it i i will say this is one of those ones that i'm gonna default to uh english english as opposed to americanese um american english is horrifying frankly <laughs> it's horrifying the things that you you people have done to the english language so mm. i will wholeheartedly endorse whatever it is that the british say mm. But then ours is like Canadian English is actually a little skewed because ours is influenced by French more strongly than yeah, than English uh, yeah. English. Yeah. We tend to we tend to lean towards our um bilingualism. Well, it's funny cuz one of we have a you know the the Skydome Theater which is or Skydome um arena which is now called Rogers Center. Is it so, yeah, it's the Rogers Center. Yeah, Sky, yeah Skydome was, Rogers, was yeah. came from England. He was staying in the hotel which is which is I'm going to say it the way I would say it in Canada which is Renaissance hotel right mm-hmm. And of course, not, but not he Renaissance. Was, no, he was saying the Renaissance Hotel. Renaissance, yeah, yes, which is which is another sort of for Jaime's sake. That's another way that that we differ between the Brits in here. And actually, like they say, beta instead of beta software, right? So, yep. and sometimes they say macOS instead of macOS. Macos. So, I, I was in, I t- attended a talk with um, a tech talk with Paul Hudson, who is very clearly English, and uh, it was interesting to hear some of the, the ways. He, oh, what was he saying that drove me crazy? Um, hmm. There's one word he was he kept saying over and over. He had to say it over over and over again because we were talking about Swift, Swift and Combine and stuff like that and um, uh, what was it? When I first used to hear them say beta it kind of hurt <laughs> me. But there you go. So what were you asking today about what do, what do British like I'm British by birth right? So that's how I would say I'm British. That's why, yeah, that's why I said so, we're all so, the Britons. We're all Britons. That's why I didn't vote for you. That's true. So one of those breakfast thoughts was okay so what do the people the citizens of the United Kingdom yeah. use as a term to refer to themselves yeah. And using, okay, well, people from the United States of America refer to themselves as Americans. Right. And people from Canada sneak in an extra I and say uh, Canadians. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I know people from the Great Britain part of the United Kingdom 
British it depends which part British. too. It depends. Like Scottish people would not say they're British. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't and say British. Irish they people say would not Scottish. say they're British. <laughs> right. So Welsh thought, oh. people would not say they're British. No. Like, wh- what would they call themselves? United Kingdomans? No, no Britons. Britain, Britain, in Britain or in, in England itself proper, they would say British, right? Yes. In Scotland, they would say Scotch. Scotch or Scots. Scots, right? yeah. Or Scottish. Yeah. Scottish. But, but my point is, like, there might, if you're going to have this entity that is called the United Kingdom. I'm like, cool. So you must have a term to refer to yourselves collectively, right? And even if it's something weird like royal subjects, I'm like, all right, I can, I can get that. Ooh, right? they, they I suggest you float that one past the Scottish and see how they feel yeah, about that no, one. No. Yeah. Well, even even the British. I mean, like the the monarchy is not the monarchy is is the basis of our government, but it's not. You know, we don't we respect the queen, but we don't like we don't defer to her. And I, th- I think it's the same way over there. They some a lot of Britons will will you know tell you that they they don't like the monarchy too. I'm sure there are anti-monarchists within Britain as well, even though it's constitutionally illegal for us to say anything bad about her, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 I don't know, it's kind of weird. But uh, and you know, like to extend that to the to the other parts of, of Europe, which you were asking about too, like the French would they would say Francais, you know, like I don't know what they would say individually. Individually, right, but um, it's not like the United States of America where you are united, right? Um, oh, you got to remember oh, that. The, oh, like united! You said, okay. Like you just said, United Kingdom or Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Those are people that were defeated many, 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 many years ago and mm-hmm. thrown under a king. You know, so yep. there's a lot of resentments that are still there. You know, in the Irish and the Welsh and the yeah, in the Scottish. That, right? that makes sense why they would lack a unifying term for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their, their arrangement. It, it, it honestly, Jaime, the best thing, and you'll know this better than I think we do. Uh, Texans refer to themselves as Texans before they refer to themselves as Americans. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's the exact same thing for the Scottish and the Irish and the Welsh. Yeah, it's they are that that first and the other second. Yeah, and then I can tell you that when I went to when I went to work in Vancouver, you know, um, unconsciously, I kept referring to how wonderful Toronto was. Right to the point where they. <laughs> They say go back, you know, go back to Toronto. If it's so wonderful, and like I do, I don't even I didn't even realize I was like you know saying speaking that way, right? And and uh, and in Vancouver, which which is funny, like you know, I when I was there, the one experience I came away with after eight months was we speak the same language, we use the same money, but we're not the same country, you know, yeah. like just from from the like population and attitude kind of ways. I mean, across the country, people are different, you know. Um, we are Canadians, and we're all sort of joined together that way, but we we don't we don't go America like you guys do, you know? Well, but it's a strange thing because states' rights in the United States are very important. And the United States is an actually apt Mm. term for the country because each state defines itself as a state very strongly in a way that mm, I'm not sure we do here in Canada for provinces. We don't say we're Ontarians Mm -hmm. and we know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, and and our, while we certainly do have independent governments for each province, we certainly do have, um, some different systems and things like that uh states rights are a huge issue of divisiveness against the federal government whereas here there's a lot more alignment it's also smaller yeah. like our population is a fraction right we have 36 million people the United states yeah but yeah we have 36 million people you guys have like 280 now right like it's such a huge difference um but well, there's less now because of the whole covert thing but never mind oh um, but yeah, we also, we tend to cluster too. Like most of our population is in Ontario 
Ontario, BC, and Quebec. And we're all along the, the, the border. And we're all, yeah, we're all along the, uh, the, the borderline, pretty much. I mean, it gets pretty sparse the further north you get. But it's the yeah, weather, it, too. Well, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's funny because you hear all the time, you know, threats from the governors of some of the states where they're like, you know, we don't like what you're trying to impose on us, federal government, so therefore we're going to, you know, take this other action. Whereas here, it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be that divisiveness um, in the same way that sort of adversarial relationship with the federal government. Yeah. Mm. Semantics. <laughs> yep. But we look forward to uh, when uh, the northern half of the states all decide to join with us. We, we, we welcome our southern neighbors who want to be part of Canada. Mm. <laughs> We figure we're we're good for at least Oregon, Washington State, uh, you know. But well, we thought there was a big migration coming, you know, four years ago. There was. Years ago. There was. There was. One of the okay. one of the people who works on my team at work, she fled the United States. She and her husband yeah. uh, had moved from India to study in America and then had settled there and gotten jobs and were happily going to settle in. And then when uh, the 2016 election happened, they packed their bags and moved to Toronto. Wow. So, yeah. I, I that's true. I know a few people have done that, actually. Yep. Yeah. As I said, we will gleefully take all of your people of color who are educated and happy to come here and settle in and work hard. Like, please, every yeah. single one of them, send them here. We will yeah. take the brain drain from the United States gleefully. We need talented people. We'll take them. The trick will be for me to move over, but keep my American salary. So keep working for the American company. Yeah, you, the, you want to you want to keep that American taxation system is what you want to keep. Yeah, sure. Well, have all these savings. That socialized sci-fi. That's <laughs> so, it. Think about the yeah, money you'd like, save on the oh, socialized sci-fi. Do yeah. I need to do I need to cancel CBS All Access? Oh no, wait. Discovery starts next week, so no, I'm gonna have to wait. Yeah, you've got. Yeah, so is... all you have to do is get you know get sick, get thrown in. You, you get end up in a hospital bed, and you can catch up on all the sci-fi you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll even let you charge your, your iPhone in the side table there. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time. All see right. See you guys later. See you next week, guys. Right. Bye. Bye. Where's that off button? Do, 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 do. Oh, here we go. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.